Hello and welcome to Scott and Paul's Ramon Podcast. Hello. Scott and here to as always with my good friend and co-host Paul Brown. Once again. Hello. Hello. And we're coming to you after 2023 SummerSlam at the time of you hearing this. We're recording it beforehand, but you know, because he did say to do the weird thing and put SummerSlam right at the beginning of the month rather than the end of the month like they usually would, mm-hmm. or at least the midpoint, you'll be hearing this after SummerSlam. But over the next rest of August, this is what we'll be doing. We'll be going through a couple of classic SummerSlams. Mm-hmm. We will be covering three of our particular classic favourites, I think. Yeah, well, we did two choices, like like the one we're doing today for me, because I think I believe it's the first proper SummerSlam I saw in full, as I can remember. Yeah. You chose 98, which we're going to do in two episodes, so not the next episode. And we also went <laughs> to 2002, because I can't remember where it came up in a recent show, but it is, I think, a noteworthy SummerSlam for a lot of reasons, that one. So that one's more of a significance kind of thing. Yeah. But, this is this particular one we're covering today is uh, I would say it's quite significant mm-hmm. in the annals of WWE history for the simple fact of well a couple of a couple of notable mm-hmm. things in this one such as crowd reaction oh yeah results the, the crowd know. the crowd is a big thing in this show oh really really the crowd yeah. are very vocal I was going through YouTube I remember SummerSlam 2004 I can't remember what I was looking for in the YouTube earlier on today and literally I saw a review of it and it described it SummerSlam 04 the one with the weird crowd yeah <laughs> I don't think the crowd are weird I I think the crowd were like the crowd thought the way that I do all the time as we go through the show, I think I can pinpoint the exact moment the crowd decided to completely turn against WWE. I think I can pinpoint the exact moment. And I'll uh, tell you about it. When you I... point it out when we get to it. Yes, I will. Was it the dodgeball match? Oh, no, it was long before that. <laughs> <laughs> you think, do you know, all their things, oh, they're booing the women when they cut back to contact. No, they're, no, because there were women fighting and you cut away from it. They're, cu- they're booing you for cutting away. That's yeah. why they're booing you. And I assume... No, I wouldn't say so. I would say they're booing because a fucking stupid dodgeball match does not belong at SummerSlam. Yeah, but then again, I don't think many of these people who came care because because of the way WWE was treating its women, they weren't conditioned to. Well, considering most of the women involved in that dodgeball match were about weren't even about the size of Rhea Ripley's leg, <laughs> I can understand that. Well, that's the thing. Like with any kind of form of entertainment, if they don't condition you. Do you care about something over time? Your your care how much you care about it will go down. Like it was a period where I didn't care a lot about the women's division when they were still divas. Like right before the whole the, what they call the revolution and everything, yeah. when they got the call up for Charlotte and all that. And I remember me, and my brother, his pal, his pal's girlfriend. She wasn't going to watch the whole show with us. She was going to go. I think it was like a twenty fourteen BP preview, and we just started making jokes about the women's matter. It was like Paige versus somebody. Like we we liked Paige, but. We knew it wasn't going to be much of a match because we weren't going to treat it as much of a match, so we are just making the other joke. Was it Paige versus one of those pretend wrestlers, like the Bella Twins or something? It was Alicia Fox, maybe, I don't know, or Timina, one of those two. Pretty sick, she's wheeling Paige. So, but the whole point was, we were making joke, and then, and then this, uh, my pal's, uh, Ross's, my brother's pal's girlfriend, on, from the outside looking in, it just looks like we just don't like watching women wrestle and we were generally like oh no no we like women wrestle we just don't like the way they're doing it we had to explain like we're not being dicks here we're yeah. not being sexist here we're just we just don't like what WWE is doing with these women we are not against women we are against the WWE's representation of women and women wrestlers because we'd watched a fair few shows with my brother's uh, pal 
and wait, Christy, his name was, and he, and we 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 just naturally didn't made the jokes we usually would. We just didn't realise how it looks to somebody who's not a wrestling fan just sitting right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I, to- I totally get you on that one. Like, if someone's not a wrestling fan, like you say, they're going, especially if it's a woman watching it with you, mm-hmm. she's going to think you're being, you know, chauvinistic yeah. dickheads. And it's the same with any kind of humour. Like, if you've got somebody who's an outsider and, you're, and we're sitting in a joke that we both understand, but somebody from the outside sitting here, and they're not, it's going to go over their heads, they're not going to understand it. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But like I say, like, at the time... Mm-hmm. Like, I think that like, was just around about the time I was slowly but surely getting back into my wrestling again. Uh-huh. But, and I will tell you this honestly, mm-hmm. like, I'll be the first person to say I have like 100 fucking plus percent respect for women, sure. you know? Sure. But I had zero respect for the way they were represented at that time period, mm-hmm. you know? Because you know, you know my typical like in the sticks of a female wrestler, right? Yeah, yeah. Not a diva, mm-hmm. but a female wrestler. Yeah. A female wrestler to me is not a little girl in her underwear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big beast of a woman that can kick the shit out of anyone. Yeah. That to me is representing women properly. When you've got a woman who is built like a brick shit house and who takes no shit from men or women. Mm-hmm. That's a woman wrestler. Yeah. That properly represents women. That sh- that gives women respect. Mm-hmm. That shit gave women no respect. That one. Wom- that was kind of. That was god awful, mm-hmm. if you ask me. Yeah. Just a personal opinion, you know. But I was just, firstly, calling them divas. You know what I mean? Where's the respect in that? Yeah. We're in a wrestling company. We're wrestlers, mm-hmm. not. Playboy models or divas or all that nonsense, you yeah. know what I mean? I, I honestly do believe in that time period that the WWE really, well, the boss of WWE, I will say, mm-hmm. had zero respect for women and probably still has zero respect for women. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. He's not been, well, around for a good, good. month or so. Yeah, he went in for what has been described as life-altering uh, back surgery. Does that, does that mean that the shows will finish the way they start like they're supposed to instead of having last-minute changes? Yeah, he went to have back surgery, which I don't know what it means, life-altering. Is, is it a thing he's always had that he's needed, or does it mean it's a quality-of-life thing like does that, surgery? Does that mean whilst he's asleep getting the surgery, they're going to glue his goddamn mouth shut? He sent a memo around saying, no, I'll do my work as executive chairman and trying to help. Because probably the merger thing with them in UFC, <coughs> like TKO is like the name on the start market of this joint company, something like that. Yeah. And apparently it's not fully signed off and official yet. It's going to wait be till the end of the year at some point. So basically that's what he's been doing, mainly is like being with the stockholders and Nick Cans and all that, trying to get that finished. Mm. I feel like he's going to be doing that, but while at home, recovering from, from surgery, he's not going to be around arenas, at least. Good. Mm-hmm. That is just, that is lovely. Although, on the, other, on the other hand, there's also the fact that, oh yeah, the internal investigation is finished, but now the federal investigation has started. <laughs> I know, I laughed when I read that. Yeah, federal proper government warrants were sent out for Vince McMahon, well not to read but like to search some things involving Vince McMahon. I I hope at the very least he has to leave the company in disgrace. Best case scenario, he gets jailed. Well, that whole, what is his name, our man something, the guy behind Endeavour who was all for having Vince still 
if the company in some capacity, I think he's gonna even he's gonna have to look at this thing very closely. Like, depending on how this goes, we may have to have a talk about you, pal. Because mm. Vince is technically, we said, even though he's in the role, he's like, Jeremy's there because of this merger and because the Steel Endeavor and Armada kind of put him there. Yeah. So he, so he pretty much could be, he probably could be let go and removed. A lot easier than if WWE was still at someone's thing, you know, under this merger. It was yeah. Easier to get probably rid of Vince than if it was WWE was still at someone's thing. Yeah. Because, you know, he's their chairman of this joint board, right? But Nick Khan is the, is officially the one-titled CEO of WWE because he's leading a group of board move on the WWE's side and you got Dana White and his UFC people on the other side. Yeah. It? And Vince in the middle and then that arm man guy just above him. Well, considering from what I hear, they're going to have an actual official UFC style or an MMA style match at SummerSlam between Shayna and Ronda. Yeah, I know who I'm pulling for in that one. I wonder if that has to do with the the partnership with UFC. Like, I even heard rumors. I don't know all about my dad. People who know more about me, but the idea of like some people within UFC or suggested the idea because of the joint thing. What if we got Ronda back in the UFC for one night or whatever? Like do some like. Do get some people who who have MMA experience in WWE. Always, always they don't go for a brawl for all too. <laughs> Getting some people from US who have UFC experience like Ronda Rousey from WWE over. Try basically they try to do cross promotion between the two companies. Yeah. I mean, we can do a brawl for all tour if most of the wrestlers plan on just jumping Matt Riddle and <laughs> fucking him up. Silly prick. Brian, did I tell you Brian came up with the best way to make me laugh? Whenever Riddle appears on screen. Well, no. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> you know how his stupid entrance thing, you know, bruh. Yeah. Well, whenever Riddle comes out, well, a couple of weeks back, we were watching it, myself and Brian were having a little herbal persuasion and having a little drink. And his stupid thing started and Brian just went, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since then, whenever he's, he comes out, I think a lot and I, oh, I near wet myself. It's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> it yeah. came out and Brian was looking at the screen smoking the joint and he was like bleh <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny I don't know if it was like as funny because I was a little drunk Yeah, but fuck it it was funny because Riddle makes you go like that you see a guy you go bleh <laughs> he's such a gimp <laughs> yeah, but we will get to SummerSlam like eventually, we won't. We won't. Hopefully, it won't spend too long. We eventually will get to the fireworks factory. Jesus, <laughs> a couple of things. One, we're we gonna get to the fireworks factory. <laughs> when, when, but well, last time we talked wrestling, you didn't really watch a lot of Impact Wrestling. Have you managed to have a little catch up? Have you got anything you want to talk about in terms of Impact quickly? I haven't. Uh, I haven't watched, uh-huh. but I have been like. Uh-huh. reading news blah 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 and I do want to inform that my my lovely mother uh-huh. she intends to get me tickets uh-huh. for the UK Impact show on October 26th she's yes. going to get me loads for my birthday and thanks so much ma love you that's awesome you know it's just me who thinks it's weird that the Glasgow date is a Thursday it's kind of weird but you know I don't mind you know because I mean it's the first time Impact are back in the UK in eight years Mm -hmm. and less for me I know you have been to a good few wrestling shows but for me personally this will only be my second ever live wrestling show I've seen interesting 
because my, my brother was good enough a little while back to take me to a community pro wrestling show <laughs> with uh, Ravy Davey yeah. <laughs> and that. And a guy that kind of looked a bit like Adrian Street. <laughs> you know? And yeah, a Russian... We'll, Russia, talk, we'll and talk about him in a minute. And a Russian guy mm. who hulked up by drinking vodka. <laughs> you know? Which <laughs> kind of cool. And I think the stereotypes still play a big part in wrestling. Oh, yeah, totally. But the only thing that made me mildly like, meh, about that show is that I didn't have any dosh to buy a t-shirt. No. But, you know... You always get like that when you go to a show of any kind. You're like, oh man, I should have bought a fiver or something. <laughs> you know? but, well, I'm okay with it because I work for home on Thursdays now. I had a shift change kind of thing. I have a couple of days at home, a couple of days in the office. Which means I get, I mean, actually, my work, to get to my work, my office, I have to go past the O2 Academy. Yeah. But then if, I, if it was on a day I was working <laughs> in the office and I walked backwards, so like, I would have a bag with me with my stuff in it. I'd, you know, some venues can be funny if you have a bag with you or whatever. So it's easier for me just to go from my home to. To the venue, but I've been in the O2 Academy a few times, and it's interesting for me because I thought like I didn't know if I, what where at the start of the year what wrestling shows I go to. Then I'm going to Wembley in just a couple of weeks now from now. Yeah, you're going to see the AE Dub show, aren't you? Yes, I am. Like, I, I I hope you you have a great time because uh, I hear it's got I hear it's supposed to be like a fantastic show. I think they've sold uh, close to their capacity now. Yeah, well, I think, I think last I checked, they were three thousand. Tickets away from breaking some kind of attendance, all-time attendance record. Wow, wow! But the thing is, I think they've they've landed one match so far, which is which is the world title. So it's the main event. So of course you start with your main event, then you work down in terms of announcements. Uh, but I assume that's MJF, yeah, and Adam, Adam Cole. Adam Cole. They did a thing where like they were feuding. They had a match where like if you beat me, you get the title shot. But I went to a third match draw. And they said, oh, by the way, we're doing this random tag tournament. You guys now need a team together. And they started forming this weird friendship. Yeah, yeah. They I've lost. seen. Yeah, then they lost. And then everyone thinks, also, they're going to turn. We're like, no, we're not going to turn. And then the team's like, you know what? Because you're my friend, you do deserve the title shot. So now we're all going away. And we're like, which one of them's going to turn yeah, on well, the other? I did see. I didn't really read too much of it because I'm not really mm-hmm. like too bothered about AEW, you know. Not my. Not it, my. It is your right. Yeah, not my vibe, you yeah. know. Full respect to the wrestlers now, but it's not my vibe, you know. I mean, for me, it's more so a case of the significance looking back on this years later and getting to knowing I was there is more oh, the reason I yeah, wanted to yeah, go. that'll be kick ass, you know. But I, like I say, I did see a little thing on Facebook. Like I say, I didn't read yeah. too much of it. I just yeah. seen that um, uh, Adam Cole and MGF yeah. were hugging. Yeah. But Adam Cole was hugging him in a weird way, like yeah, yeah. almost like I'm gonna, start like, I'm gonna get you, man. So maybe, very maybe, it could be Adam Cole. But, but I really believe that those extra three thousand you want to shift that will depend on like what other matches you announced, and you should be announcing them soon. And a lot of people do think that the fact that it's waited this long is almost a power play on the AEW's part. Of the idea of like we're just trying to test like how close and how many can we sell just on the fact that we didn't announce anything, so we can say we sold X amount without announcing anything. Yeah, but I've got to say, though, and I'm, like I say, I'm not trying to be a dick here against sure, sure, AEW sure. or anything, but sure, sure. you know fine well, no matter what they do, WWE's going to do double just to piss them off. Oh, yeah, I mean, when they, when they, if they do the Mania in the UK, which they, which I hope they do, again, the fact that they do two nights, they're just going to take the numbers from both nights to combine, like, no, no, we have this record, look how much we did. I hate to be extreme, but I swear to God... If WrestleMania was ever in the UK, mm. I swear to Christ, I would sell my left nut to get a ticket to that. <laughs> that, that oh, there's an image. Thanks yeah. for that. 
Well, I'm sorry, but it's that much. I mean, wouldn't you be like oh, yeah, fucking right. crazy for like? I said it a few weeks, the other eight, a couple episodes ago when we talked about it. We did a bit like seeing his appearance at Money in the Bank. Like, yeah. I would every penny I've got, I would, I would. Spend I swear to God, well, if it doesn't happen, you'd phone him up and go, "You teasing bastard!" <laughs> I will walk to wherever the fuck it is you live, Cena. Personally, just to call see, you. See, I can't see you. I'll see you and I'll call you a bastard. Just walking out. You just keep it thinking, John. Fucking shattered. Oh, I shouldn't have walked all this way. You're a prick. You, you invisible bastard. I, I see you, prick. <laughs> Getting my hopes up. <laughs> you bastard, you. Yeah, Impact coming to the UK. And I, I'm, and I went, like I said, I went to Impact 10 years ago. Uh, 2013 Brayhead Arena Aces and Eights were in the main event of that against nice. Sting and Kurt Angle oh just tell me by the way Oliver Glenn, you know uh, Devon uh-huh. and Billy Ray uh-huh. who in the name of fuck was in the Aces and Eights Luke Gallows Luke Gallows D'Lo Brown was D-Lo. in it oh I knew D'Lo was Garrett in Bischoff's, it uh, Garrett Bischoff Eric Bischoff's kids Mr Anderson was in it for a while yeah Garrett Bischoff? Yes. Is he still wrestling? No. Fair enough. Do you know... Is he, was he crap? Part of the reason... You know, he, he, you know his karate instructor, he, he apparently did a lot of martial arts as Garrett His karate instructor when he was young was Ernest the Cat Miller. And that's part of the reason Ernest got, got a job in WCW in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> his karate instructor. Karate. 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 But Carrot. Eh? I'm looking forward to I mean, my brother and I, we've been... Well, we've been talking about Impact for a good few years now at this point, mm. and over time I've really got more and more into it, and we've been telling other people that we know to watch and everything. I, f- I feel like such a villain recently in that regard. Like I say, I, in my heart of hearts, I still love Impact. I do, and I, I will watch it again eventually, just... There's been I will, so, I promise. There's been so much going on in the dub at the minute, look, I'm... I swear to God, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I never thought I would ever, ever, ever say that again. Mm-hmm. But I fucking love the WWE. <laughs> I I say it loud and proud on this podcast right now. I am a WWE guy now. <laughs> you know, and unsurprisingly for me, it's the heels that do it for me. Of course it is. Well, apart from Alpha Academy, they're not yeah. really heels, and they're fun. <laughs> I like them, you know. I fuck, I love Alpha Academy, <laughs> you know. And technically, LA Knight is, yeah. you know, become a face. Yeah. I think, you know, what I mean, so I love LA Knight. I mean, yeah, some, I think he's somewhere in the middle. I <laughs> know, oh, but I read a little thing like. He was talking about not being on paper reviews, and he was like, fuck, I didn't even know this shit was going to happen, so I'm good with it, man. Yeah. <laughs> talking about the impact, I'd say, like, I'm, I'm happy to be going on, glad that they're coming back to the UK, because I've been thinking they should be coming over to the UK and all that, because they did the Australia tour earlier this year. Yeah. And along that lines, I mean, me and my brother, he, he hosts a show on ESSR, and he and I am on it sometimes, and we, he and I make sure that if there's a big impact thing going on, like a special, however, we make sure it gets at least a wee bit of coverage. Yeah. Which is good. And as tying into that, you remember a couple of years ago when they were doing, right before Josh Alexander fought Christian Cage, I told you I was on that media call. Yeah. And I had to ask him a question. And I go, well, on path of ESSR recently, I got to go on another impact wrestling media call. Who did, who did you get to talk to, Scott? I got to talk to impact wrestling world champion Alex Shelley. 
Nice. Gail Kim was hosting it. Oh, sorry, I'll need to do that right again. Too sweet. Even though he's not right. Anyway, yeah. Ah, but Bullet Club are in impact. Yes. So it still counts, damn it. Anyway. So Gil Kim was hosting and I was making notes of like stuff people was people were saying and uh, so we then we put a bunch of tweets out after on the podcast and I tweeted them out basically saying, Oh, here's the things Alex Daly said on this subject, he said this and that and <laughs> And the thing is you put a click the thing where it's like your hands raised and basically means you want to ask a question and you basically need to wait your turn. And the weird thing with this zoom is it takes you out of the Zoom call for a second and brings you back in from an attendee to a panellist or whatever. Yeah. So you can now ask a question and then it'll, it'll bring you on camera in a second. But also you need to make sure you have your name next to you and you have what media like you've got. So some of my guys ask me a question, I all of a sudden spin the hours nearly up and I don't think I'm going to get a chance to ask my question. I get taken out, I put back in, I'm like, oh, so I'm not listening to a thing this guy who's asking Alex Shelley is, is saying or Alex said. I'm going, frankly, go, frankly, going into my bit, typing in, eat, sleep, sleep, play, retreat as well. Next to my name to make sure they can see it, and then I get brought in. And basically, what I asked them is like with recent tours going back to 14k in the US and recent and recently going to Australia. I said, "Oh, you've got such a wealth of talent from many from different countries. Like, it's important. Do you think it's important for Impact to it'll be more international and everything? And and uh, what other tours would you like to see?" And Alex Shelley was very adamant about. Uh, a tour of Japan yeah, at some point. Yeah, you mentioned Japan. Yeah. Working with New Japan, didn't you? Yeah. Well, Impact uh, mm. Impact in the past mm. and in general tend to work a lot with like, mm. New Japan or Old yeah. Japan. Or... Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they got that show also in Multiverse 92 where Alex Shelley will be defending against Tanahashi and Alex Shelley was talking a lot of praise for Tanahashi during the media call. Like, he was asked about, oh, do you compare us to any Impact World Champions like the past? And he said, no. I did say Katana actually got the IWGP title like, properly right in the, the difficult period for New Japan and then so much of his time on top was with him helping rebuild the company right before it had another boom period. So he said like if I was to more myself a day one who I think is a stand for a championship actor would be Tanahashi. Yeah. I gotta work alongside him. He was a bit of a mentor to me in Japan, so he was going on about most wrestlers don't talk about dream matches all that much, but to Alex Shelley he clearly made, he made it clear that it meant something this to is him. A, this is a dream match to have this match at Multiverse United. Yeah. It really is quite telling, like, in the last couple of months, yeah. with, with Impact particularly. Just, like, I think I said something of this sort of vein back a while ago, but I talked in the sense of Impact, like, Phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah. And currently, it really does seem like that. Well, I mean, the numbers are doing TV-wise... Mm-hmm. We're going to the UK, we're doing Aussie tours. I mean, the bywise on the pay per view is like Sam Versity did the best number they had since they stopped the thing with Kenny Omega being. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, and the very fact that we're able to get those numbers yeah. without, mm-hmm. you know, Kenny Omega or Christian or, or anyone like that. Anyone like that, we're doing it with in house talent. Uh huh. You know? And we have a like we have a great like Impact World Champion in Alex Shelley. Uh-huh. You know, I've got Kenny King, who's a little prick, you know, <laughs> digital media guy. You know, I've got fucking Trinity, who's, a, by all accounts, a great Impact champion, like, women's champion. I'm pretty sure Kenny King was on the last Impact tour I went to, like, yeah, like his initial one. I think, he, if, I'm wrong, if I'm not wrong, I think it was Kenny King versus Rob Van Dam. I read, I read a funny quote of his on Facebook just before you got here for the show today. 
and he was talking about how, oh, I'm 100% impact, not, I'm not interested in all petite. <laughs> oh, what's happened, Rob? <laughs> Did you get high and forget? <laughs> you silly old stoner, you. Well, you know, weed cost money. Oh, yeah, and, <laughs> you know, he was holding that Hall of Fame card upside down, so, yeah. you know, he's a, he's a little silly in the head nowadays. Yeah. Too too much drugs, Rob. Too much drugs. Or not enough, it was the case, maybe. I don't know. One of my favorite bits, somebody asked him about Leo Rush, because Leo Rush teased on Paddy Elby, go, you know, anytime I feel like it, I could cash an option C, and I could be the impact or champion if I wanted to. And uh, he, thought he was doing like, oh, because he actually did a, used to do a thing with Leo and Jay White back in Ring of Honor about 2017 time. And so he, he gave a lot of respect to Leo. Then kind of did bring it in cave even gentlemen, even though recently he's been acting like a bit of a bell end. <laughs> nah, he's, he's good in Ring, but he's yeah. a dick. Yeah, he's a bit of a bell end. But he's a dick. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was happy to get the all in and like... As soon as like the, that thing happened, when immediately like you don't even get a chance, like, like oh you're out now you're back in you're gonna ask a question you're up next like you have a, you don't have much saying like oh oh I got my question right thankfully neither the fucker asked it. Mm. When I thought my question was quite was quite a good one because oh, because so. it was mostly UK media outlets they had because it was about promoting the UK tour because UK mentioned multiple times about when the tickets were going on sale. I mean tickets all went on sale. We might have our tickets. By the time you guys listened to it, maybe you bought your tickets. Maybe, maybe on the next show we were going, Impact, bitches! <laughs> and so, <laughs> a lot of people will have this similar question, though. What are you looking forward to? Oh, I think the, the UK fans and like similar little, little questions of that being like, fucking, I stopped taking notes at one point when I heard a question of that being like, lads. Yeah. Like, cause I could tell, actually, I was thinking of new ways to try and answer questions because you're asking them variations of the same thing here. Yeah, I'd probably just, I mean, I was thinking about it there when you were talking about that last part, and I thought I'd probably just ask them pretty much a sort of variation of the thing you asked them. I'd ask them, like, if it had been me asking the question, I'd be like, like I'd probably, like, like yeah. fanboy them for a second. I'd be like, man, you're awesome. <laughs> lovely, lovely fucking machine guns. Lovely fuck, you're a champ. And I'd probably just ask them something like, Given like your tenure in wrestling, I yeah. feel like is there anything else you feel you still have to like? Do you still personally have something you feel you need to achieve? Well, he did say on the on the call that he had actually put being world champion out of his mind for a while because he said like he's he talks about his own anxiety and everything. I've learned that thinking about things that are too far in the future, which might not even even happen, it's yeah, not, it's not good for you mentally. So I can't. Oh no, no, I don't, I don't think that too far ahead. And go, I just worked. How I thought a wrestler or a champion should act, I, act, I wrestled as how I thought I should and everything, and it kind of came. Yeah. I've, got, came. I've got to say, and yeah. I will I will pre-do pre this with this statement, yeah. I think both the guns are fucking awesome, right? Yeah. Saban and Shelley, but if I had to pick between Shelley and yeah. Saban to win, yeah. I'm sorry, but Shelley, Shelley more so because he's got more of a personality. Yeah. You know, Saban, Saban's cool and all, but, you know, he just, he comes to the ring and goes, look, on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and you're like, yes, yes, Chris, hand. Well done. Mm -hmm. You can make a fist with it. Maybe hit someone. <laughs> you know, maybe point to the other one. Mm -hmm. You never know. If, Switch if, it if up someone, a little. If someone asked a question that was either the same as mine or maybe too similar, either, my backup question would maybe, because he talked about uh, he praised a lot with the impact current lo impact locker room. Yeah. So my initial question would be because of the because Josh Alexander's back and everything. 
how his the poor timing of his injury and then Mickey James and a couple of people got injured in the same time. I said like, my thing was going to be oh like from your experience though when somebody who seems to be so integral to the overall company in the locker room goes down with an injury or thing, <sighs> how does that affect everyone else? Does it, how do you think that affects the locker room mm-hmm. and everything? See, I, I couldn't have asked a question of that sort because, yeah. see, like, if you started with giving someone so integral to a company, I'd have, I would have thought that would have been disrespectful towards him. Well, no, but it's more so the fact that he had been the champ before then, that had been the champion and held it for so long. Yeah, how long did uh, Alexander hold it for? It was just shy of a year because if yeah. he held it into rebellion, it would have been bang on you because he, he, he beat the record like for longest reign. He would have, he would probably have lost it to, yeah. to Macklin. Macklin Lorian. Yeah, yeah, he probably would have. I've, I think, do you know, I think the fact that he didn't lose it to Macklin kind of completely killed Macklin's momentum. Oh yeah, I agree with it. And like, I think that's why they took off as quickly as they did because like, if Macklin himself had had his injury while still champion, then you could have forgiven him for losing the belt, but the fact that it happened when it did... Yeah. It happened in the Australia tour, didn't it? Well, yeah, he lost the belt before his Australia tour and then got injured on the tour. But in a weird way, they, him and Shelley and all this, in a way, are both impact kind of stalwarts, so maybe that was a, a kind of conscious decision in terms of two guys with history, deferring histories of impact yeah. at the impact basic anniversary show, a slam anniversary for the title might have been the thing, which is probably why Eric Young was the challenger last year at Slammiversary, because he had such a long tenure with yeah. the company. But it was very, talking about Eric Young, it was very fucking interesting the reasons he gave for going back to Impact. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, I will not work with Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't trust him, mm-hmm. basically. And I was like, well done, Eric. You shouldn't trust him. He's a snake. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Before we from, from everything I've heard, I'm sort of cutting off know. there. But from every single thing I've heard anecdotally about Vince McMahon in that regard, he is the sort of snaky prick that will tell you one thing and do something else. Yeah, or he'll tell you one thing and slowly but surely that one thing will kind of go into the back. You know, just <laughs> just ask Jake Roberts. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you're going to work with the Ultimate Warrior. You're going to be fighting over the title. Oh wait, you'll have to go ask a warrior. Uh, like, you're the fucking boss! <laughs> Tell the cunt he's fighting Jake. But, who are you going to You wanted to briefly mention, talk about Adrian Street, because who sadly passed away? I did. Very legendary British wrestler. Mm-hmm. Back in the days when, you know, British wrestling was as up there as. Mm-hmm. Well, let's face it, back in the 70s, 80s, British wrestling was the shit. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, and Adrian Street, legend in the business, you know, he, he wrestled for many companies. I mean, he, re- he wrestled predominantly in British wrestling on British television, yeah. But he wrestled in Japan, he wrestled uh, in Stampede, he wrestled for Stu, he wrestled in Mexico. Yeah. And he was, uh, uh, I can't off the top of my head remember, but the Mexican wrestling gave him a... Yeah. A particular name, a particular nickname. Well, I have a couple of his names here. Yeah, yeah. So he had Adrian Street. He was Hell's Angel number one. I was part of a tag team. He had Kid Tarzan. Kid Tarzan. And briefly, one randomly called the Nature. Why was interesting because when I was looking that at that was it. Uh, El Exotico. <laughs> they, that's not listed here. But like the thing with uh, him is he, he got one thing called the Nature. I think it's because among his influences, he mentioned Buddy Rogers, who was the original Nature Boy. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, no, he, he originally wrestled and he wrestled in his dark hair. Mm -hmm. And then he thought to himself, nah, like, because you see, he had influence from Nature Boy Buddy Rogers mm -hmm. and shit. And he thought, no, I'll glam myself up a touch. And he dyed his black hair blonde and started to tart himself up a little. And Yeah, well, basically, his character was basically a transvestite in a way. And, like, I think he himself wasn't gay, but he oh, knew no, no, that no. a lot. The, he knew what the attitudes clearly were. He knew that dressing this way. He knew it would way, get him a reaction. Yeah, and, like, he was setting himself apart. Basically, at that time, because wrestlers were just wrestlers for the most part. Yeah, they, they weren't, at that time, they didn't have larger-than-life characters, you know? Outside of your big daddies and people like that, you know? Hey, big daddies, giant haystacks, yeah. blah, 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 you know? But, um, no, he was he was a great, great heel. Well, and he and he played on that through his whole career, you know? I have, I have uh, some information about uh, agency I would like to go through quickly, if you don't mind. So. Well, if, if I may just sure, sure, just sure, quickly sure. tell you sure, sure. my favourite anecdotal thing about Adrian Street. He um, has the great, in my opinion, the most glorious distinction of putting Jimmy, I'm a dirty bastard and pedophile, out the wrestling. Oh, yeah. And that was before anybody knew for definite he was a dirty bastard pedophile. Aye, it wasn't even about that, it was more of a case of Just like, a cunt. You're not a wrestler, fuck off. Well, apparently from what I hear the story goes, was that, you know, Adrian Street took the profession seriously. Yeah. Jimmy Savile, or pervert bastard, he seen it as a laugh. Mm -hmm. He seen it as a way to enhance his own credibility in yeah. general, you know? Adrian Street wasn't having none of that shit, so proceeded to shoot him and beat eleven crap right he out of him. Shoot on him, not not literally shoot him. Yeah, well, no, he he shot on him. Yeah, and he the first move he said, I watched a little YouTube video himself, yeah. and he said the first thing he did was boot him one, and then grab him by his fucking hair and rip his hair out. <laughs> like he gra he ripped chunks of his hair out and beat eleven piss out of him, and. Jimmy Savile never wrestled again after facing Adrian Street because Adrian Street mauled him. Oh, yeah. I didn't <laughs> have that as well. I can just say, well done, Adrian Street. Well, Adrian Street, William Regal talked entirely about him briefly on his podcast, mm. his short-lived podcast, but he, he said that people like Adrian Street, there were guys who didn't seem like tough guys, but he said, in my, he said, in my experience, some of the guys who don't seem like they're tough guys are actually among some of the toughest. Yeah. Uh, a Welsh wrestler was uh, was old Aiden Street, born December fifth, nineteen forty. Yeah, he was eighty two when he sadly passed away. He recently. was, he was, he was, he was. Uh, like a lot of British people at the time, he was. He had the original profession as a coal miner. Well, at least his father was, and he did not show much interest in going no, into that. I believe profession. he did it for a while, but then he was like, "Nah, this is crap." Well, online it said, from what I can think, gather he left home at uh, just the age of sixteen to. He'd been into the old bodybuilding thing. But then decided to pursue the the wrestling. Yeah. He apparently his last official match is credited as June fourteenth, twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah, he wrestled right up until then. Mm -hmm. He was he was kind of a Ric Flair of the British wrestling, you know. Kept it going until he could go no more. You talk about how he's done to the audiences with his gimmick. Like he was even one of the first major wrestlers to do thing. Also, years before he had Gorgeous George and people like that. Hell, even the WWF in the long had an adorable Adrian Adonis. Yeah, but you look, of, right, you, you look at wrestlers of that kind of character, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of gimmick. Mm -hmm. You had Adrian Street, 
when you had Adrian Adonis, mm. when you had Gold Dust. And then, around at the time of 2004, we're talking about he's not on the show, but around the time you have Rico, who even himself said, I went to Adrian Street himself to help me with this character. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very cool. Apparently, he's also recorded several songs during yeah. his time, he had a lot of band, and he does songs in character. Songs such as Sweet Transvestite with a Broken Nose and Imagine <laughs> What I Could Do to You. <laughs> that last one being also the name of a documentary that came out about him on the network in 2019 because yeah. when NXT UK did the Cardiff show like for TakeOver, he was shown in the crowd and then they said, oh, we're doing this documentary about him. And even Mark Andrews of Subculture said, because on that same show, he and uh, he and Matt, he and uh, Flash Morgan Whistler won the NXT UK tag titles and he put it like, we're so hard to have this leg- legendary Welsh figure there when we yeah. had that big moment and everything. He also wrote uh, several self-written autobiographies yeah. as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was like a film made about him some years yeah, ago as yeah, well. Yeah, like I say, a very, very famous, very famous wrestler in, in my opinion. Because, I mean, the WWE have a habit of putting random people into their Hall of Fame and all that, if you want someone who legitimately deserves to be in a wrestling Hall of Fame, Adrian Street, mm-hmm. you know, Adrian Street. I think he said just, like, even, it was a quote from another here, basically just says, uh, oh, i got more reactions playing a poof than I ever got anywhere else. <laughs> anyway, basically, so the more he, more, he, more he saw he was working, the more over-the-top he, his outfits got. I think he and his valet, later on wife, uh, yeah, Miss Linda. Yeah, basically he helped make the costumes, and then they went to a business. They started a business when he wasn't wrestling of making costumes for other wrestlers. Help. They yeah. even made some gear for Dude Love for Mick Foley. Yeah, yeah. So he made the thing, and so they started making it more over the top to get bigger, bigger reactions. And yeah, because his thing was you know pigtails and makeup and big coats and things. You know. Yeah, like they, they beat the shit out of. Uh, there's the stuff here about him beating the shit out of Jimmy Savile. Yeah. There's even a quote from an article I got here. It said, I think it's a quote from him from 2013. Back in those days, promoters were trying to get proper wrestlers to throw their matches with him. It was all part of some big, stupid gimmick. Yeah. As it says, the big Welsh, the Welshman was having none of that. Dropped Savile on his head, tearing a chunk of his head. They moved to Canada in the US in the 1880s. Yeah. No, like, that's as much as you want to talk about Savile. You know what I mean? Like, he was a wank. Adrian beat the shit out of him. Simple as. <laughs> Amongst these accomplishments, I can say All-Star Wrestling World Middleweight Champion two times, a NWA Florida Heavyweight Champion one time, NWA Americas Heavyweight Champ once, two-time NWA Americas Tag Team Champ with Timmy Flowers, or Timothy Flowers. Timmy Flowers. Mid-South Wrestling Association's uh, TV Champion one time, NWA NWA Southeastern Heavyweight Champion six times. Nice. Uh... So, so it was junior heavyweight champion once, and Wrestling Observer's best gimmick of 1986. A uh, fuckload of accolades for the good man, you know? Yeah. Uh, he apparently, though, towards the end, though, he, he showed how tough he was on his wrestling. He, he battled through a lot, like surviving a cancer diagnosis in 2001, despite doctors at the time telling him to prepare for the worst. Like, but he think he'd make it, he battled through it. Battled through it. Had a heart problem, which he managed to overcome, but it was a month before he was attending the past, and yeah. he sadly had, had a stroke, which resulted in a bleed on the plane, and then the very day he had a bowel issue as well, mm. which was after he went to hospital, which sadly I think they caught it too late. And yeah, like I think, well, I think just by that point, I mean, he was 83. Yeah. You know, good innings, you know what I mean? Because then again, like, 
more than 20 odd years ago, the doctors thought, oh, you got cancer, you might not make it. He lived an extra 20 years. That just proves how fucking hardcore it was. He was like, fuck you and your fucking prepare for the worst. I'll show you. No. Pricks. <laughs> there you go. If I can play a fucking poof for 20 odd years, I can fucking survive this. Yeah. Well, I remember when British Wrestling was starting to grow again man, in the mid-2010, early 2010, they did a couple of British Wrestling documentaries and certain wrestlers on the scene, when they talk about old wrestlers, I mean, they say, oh, some people talk about Big Town, and then they would mention a couple of people, and at least one or two of them mentioned, like, Adrian Street, and, like, they, how they admired him for playing that kind of character at that time. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the 90s aren't as long ago as some people might want to think, but we've watched in some of the new houses, the things that get shouted at Goldust, so then imagine 20 years before yeah that. that was nothing compared to what Adrian Street got because the like, kind of homophobic hate he got because people thought he was actually gay yeah the kind of shit that people shouted I mean, people tried to beat him up yeah oh yeah and then from a couple of anecdotal things I've heard about wrestlers talking about him whenever any any fan mm-hmm. tried to beat him up mm-hmm. they learned pretty quickly why it was a bad idea well I think Fit Villain was similar to that in terms of fans wanting to be up because I think the thing they had with Barry Smith had with Finley, they made him properly, show, even though he's born in Northern Ireland and everything, they made him really emphasise his Irishness because the time he was going, as he was going on and become more of a name in the British wrestling, issues between the UK and Ireland and the IRA became an issue. So, obviously, British people just hearing that he was Irish were throwing things at him, according to Regal, at least, mm. throwing things at him. And if you tried to fuck me, but finally, you find out soon enough that you, that was a bad idea. I've, I've just realised here, we were supposed to be covering SummerSlam 2004. We've been talking about just general wrestling for 40 minutes now. Well, <laughs> if you're a wrestling fan, you might find some of this stuff interesting. Hell, hell yeah, we'll find it interesting. And we did talk about SummerSlam technically at the start of it. We talked about the Divas Hodgepodge being bullshit. We did, but I think that's the only thing we've really covered other than that and the fans being weird. Oh, right, fine. If I make you happy, I'll talk about the show now. Okay, you you practicing your Adrian Streetwear? You'll be the one with the broken nose in a minute. <laughs> so you'll be the poof one. Next one, another one. <laughs> yeah, we are we are just Jesse. Yes. Anyway, we are we are good friends. Yes. Shake yeah. hands, Scott. Yeah. yeah People can't see it. You can't. <laughs> Anyway. But fuck it, we are good friends. Good fucking friends, good colleagues, because, you know, he's Scott, and he brought cider. Yes, so I he's do. cool. Thatcher's blood orange at that. Damn, Skippy. Hey, Thatcher's, you sending us something, you evil shits. Yep. The, only, the only good thing, other than Timothy Thatcher, the wrestler, the only good thing other than him that has the name Thatcher on it. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes indeed. indeed. Anyway, well, yes. as I do with all these shows... Let me talk to you. Yeah. yeah. Again, I have memories of this being very early in my properly now investing. I'm watching it week to week. This is the first SummerSlam I remember watching. Yeah. Managed to, to tape this, although whoever was taping it missed the first couple of matches. So my tape initially started at the just right before the Intercontinental. You, you're in eight or nine then? We're, in a, we're just about to turn eight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So prime age where I'm believing literally anything they tell me. Yeah, like, wrestling, wrestling, they're beating people. Rah! Which, which, the more this Leah Kane storyline with the baby and everything after everything after this, I always wonder, looking back, like, why did I never... Who stupid was I as a child? I never questioned any of this. The finish for that match was so weak. I've got to say, honestly. It was a middle rope choke slam. 
I know, but well, I'll I'll rephrase it. And the match itself was kind of well, yeah, the match weak. itself was a bit weak, yeah. But I was praying for this kind of period. But but my, the tape, whoever taped the show for me, my mom or dad, whoever it was, somehow missed the first couple of matches. And my tape started right before the entrances of the IC title. Actually, no, it's midway through the. It's just at the start of that backstage segment between Teddy Long and Eric Bischoff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where my thing starts. So then I wait. I had to wait. Yeah, so I had to wait till I got the DVD a little while later, to uh, which finally was it again another of those random two discs ones. Oh, came, what was this? The one was the best of WWE Confidential, which was like a behind the scenes thing they did at the time. I'm sure somewhere in my DVD mass collection I have of random shit that I need to get rid of some of. I'm sure somewhere I have a WWE Confidential <laughs> DVD somewhere. Yeah, so I think I think it's that one where uh, Shawn Michaels is spitting chewing tobacco into a cup. <laughs> So uh, it was hosted by me and Jeannie through a different subject. Like they talked about Austin's walkout on the show, they talked about the screw job, like one of the first proper times they talk about it, like Vince and Sean and everybody. There's some stuff about WCW on there and the that's fall and stuff about the world title. Some clips of which some clips of which that they include in that. I use the audio for and our most recent WCW retrospective at the start of it. Yeah. Do you know talking to WCW I did I was watching a YouTube thing the other day and I found out something that I funnily enough I didn't know of from that period. Mm -hmm. You know what, uh, Wrestlemania 13 when Sean was on the commentary? Yeah. Well, apparently as he was making his entrance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, he, he threw a sneaky too sweet. Yeah. And then apparently on the next night on Nitro, on Nitro Kevin Nash threw it went right back at you, HBK. <laughs> so I thought, ah, that's cool. <laughs> you know? So... Let me tell you about this show and a little bit of details about it. Let me just quickly tell you, this show was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it held up. I mean, some matches quality-wise weren't the greatest in the undercard, but for me, it held up a little better than I thought it I would. I held up, and it was my kind of pay-per-view, i got <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah, all the heels won. Yeah, and all the fans hated the faces. Uh, it took place on August 15th, 2004. 2004. Let me do my movie then I've, I've come accustomed to doing. Number one movie in the UK is The Born Supremacy. Yeah. I like it. Well, the only thing about that film is there's a really cool scene at Alexanderplatz in Berlin beside the world clock. I haven't seen it. Well, there is a scene in there. Brian Cox is a baddie in it. So that's oh, it. well, I might see it then. I like him. Yeah. Out of the three original ones, I think it's the best one. Who's the lead in that? Uh, Matt Damon. That's why I've not seen it. I don't like him. But anyway, but oh, so there's a cool scene at Alexander Park by the World Clock and everything. Mum and Dad went to Berlin some years before we all went together and they went, oh, the bloody World Clock is disappointing. It's fucking totally. And I went, ah, all right then. And then and I babbled to say to go to Alexander Park because I'd seen it on the film and everything. And then literally, I'm walking towards the World Clock and I'm from a certain distance away, but it's not changing size that much as I'm walking forward and forward. I'm like, I was like, am I just far away, or is that just how small it is? These are small. The ones out there are far away. Fucking, okay. I've been watching a fair bit of Father Ted recently. Me too. I can't see anything in here between 1939 and 1945. We were all on vacation. I will hear no more insinuations of other German people. Nothing bad happened. We have uh, the number one movie in the US is Alien vs. Predator. Woo! Better than the first one you mentioned. And, uh, it took place in what was then called the Air Canada Centre, is now called the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Scotiabank. Uh, for for ice hockey, it can hold. Oh, did Justin Trudeau's a flood arena? 
for uh, hockey, which is the main Northland pastime in Canada, it's, it's legally mandatory for you to like hockey. Yeah, you need to like hockey and maple syrup. Well, no, no maple syrup's awesome anyway. Yes, I like maple syrup. Yeah. Venue can hold up 19,800 from what I can gather. And it drew in 17,640. I mean, I've got to think a fair few were taken up by that massive fucking overlay Titan Tron that they that had. Titan Tron was cool as yeah. fuck, especially for Triple H's entrance. While it's the first WWE pay per view from this arena, we have, I have held episodes of Raw and SmackDown before. The first proper wrestling shows for this venue were took place in 2009 with the March 29, 1999 episode of Nitro, and then later on that year, the Mayhem pay per view took place in that venue, which featured a tournament final between Chris Benoit, who's on the show, and Bret Hart for the then vacant WCW World title. Would that have been just after the unfortunate passing of Owen? Because no. I believe we had a match. That, that would be on Nitro, some earlier on in the year, but this is kind of a rematch of that. And I think oh, okay, the whole okay. thing was said around the fact that we're going to candles how these two Canadians fight in the, uh, the main event. The only thing also about Mayhem 99 is it's the first official pay-per-view under the Russo either of WCW. Ugh. This so is, the beginning of the end. What I'm going to do from all future retro reviews, or like you hear on Smack, here on the SmackDown review, uh, I'm going to do for the next couple of stars. So I'm going to look at the venue and see what other notable wrestling events they've done. Because I like, enjoyed doing it when we did Unforgiven 2002. Or, or just 2000, well, sorry. Well, do tell me now, in this particular arena, mm. what... In this arena is the most recent wrestling event that has happened in this particular arena. Well, weirdly, it was actually AEW who did a recent show. Them and their, their cross-promotional show with New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door 2 took place literally June this year. Wow, cool. Well, after this, they would go on to host Unforgiven 2006, which would be Edge and John Cena in the main event in a TLC match. Nice. They would hold two takeover NXT TakeOver events in this venue. Both of them taking place on a Saturday right before a DRE period being held in the same venue. In both cases, Survivor Series, uh, Survivor Series 2016, which was the return of the brands like Robbie Raw Survivor Series matches and the Goldberg Brock rematch, which had like was like two minutes long. Yeah. And SummerSlam 2019, which was made event by Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. Was that was that second one worse or better? What the second one between Brock and well, no, that was the one where, he, squ- where, he, where he squashes them. And everyone got shocked, and then they led on to the Mania match, which is actually quite cool, mainly because it's five minutes long. Oh, yeah, we actually, you know, take time. Yeah. Well, you finished yours already. Yeah. Well, I've only got, you've only got one more, so save it. I know. I have a problem. Yeah. I should have bought some. <laughs> Business is kind of mad at this period of time, where they are, they've got 320,000 buys. That is down from 450 in 2003 and 540,000 in, 2000, in 2002. However, weirdly enough, it would go up the next year because of the main event of Hogan versus Michaels. It would go up to 560,000 buys next year, which would, which would make it the most bought SummerSlam since 1998. Wow. That would be next year's, obviously, but this one, this is kind of down. The ad campaign around this is centered around. The 2004 Summer Olympics. Oh, yeah, yeah. And featured a bunch of vignettes of WWE superstars getting involved in different Olympic events, such as Booker T being in fencing and getting angry because he's losing, so pulls out a big fuck-off sword. <laughs> you have Eddie Guerrero gluing everybody to guys in a 100-meter race to the star block and just casually just doing his shimmy across the finish line. Got Triple H coming out with a sledgehammer and understanding what a hammer throw is. <laughs> There's Tujiri doing table tennis and he knocks his ball in the air as the guy looks up, he misses him in the face. 
There's several ones, and then the guy doing a long jump, and he just gets clotheslined by Batista. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like, I'm gonna make it. Gonna make it. The highlights even let the gains begin. Yeah. And, uh, let me talk to you about the 2004. Let me talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought I thought I'd throw in some stuff about the 2004 Olympics. It took place in Athens in Greece from the 13th of August, which would be two days before this pay per view. Up until the 29th of August. Cool. Yes, yes. Uh, the game saw 10,625 athletes compete in worth 600 different events. And how badly did the British do? Oh, well, we did pretty badly. Unsurprising. Yeah. My notes are all jiggity, so I'm trying to figure out what. We're all jiggity? Jiggity. Jiggity. <laughs> the top, we were number 10 in the top 10 overall medal. Sally, with nine golds, nine silvers, and twelve bronze. I also did this when we, when we talked about the two thousand Olympics on an episode of the SmackDown review. So it's no surprise everyone was shocked ahead going into this, the twenty twelve one. We all started winning shit. Yeah, anyway, it's I, kind I, of like we won nine, nine, and nine, and we're still shit. Yeah. But then, well, America was number one. Of course, they fucking were pricks. Yeah, thirty six gold, thirty nine silver, twenty six bronze. 30, uh, China was second, 32 gold, 17 silver, 14 bronze, and number three was Russia, 28 gold, 26 silver, and 36 bronze. I'm not going to see what everyone else got. But I wonder how much medical assistance both America and Russia had during those games. Uh, between between the, between Britain and uh, Russia, you also had countries such as Australia, Japan, Germany, France, Italy, and South Korea. South Korea? Not North Korea? No, just South Korea. Yeah. Yeah, that's really all I care to really talk about. But yeah, you can see why people were so pessimistic going into the uh, the twenty twelve Olympics about how UK was going to get humiliated, even though they were hosting the event. But you know, we managed to do all right. I think. Oh, shut up! Sorry about that. That's my phone making noise. The theme song to this show is "Summertime Blues" by Rush. Nice. One of only two songs I know by Rush, other than Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer is cool, man. I know, I'm not, I didn't say anything about you that. Can, you can trip out to that one. <laughs> but, the only thing is, I want, I thought I could dig out my DVD, if because I, I believe I still have it when I was there to watch this show, but I didn't. And then I paid for that, because immediately, they don't have Summertime Blues. Yeah. To do the intro, they, they dub over it with some genetic pish instrumental shite. And yeah. the only thing is, when you do something like that, especially with the very bags, because it's like, very good package of shows like just about every uh, I even put my notes fuck the network it's like uh, briefly showing all the 2011 now it's time for the big event of the summer time for summer's land and it just went clips of every, every feeling this man this man literally everything except the opening six man tag gets a mention in this video fucking diva dodgeball gets more of a mention than the six man tag which features the tag team and cruiserweight champions in it I've just got to say and I'll say this now and I've said it already, there was no need or point or any fucking sense in fucking Diva Dodgeball. What the frick was the point? I have no idea. Well, I have some ideas of why it may be, but I'll wait what? till we get to it when we get there. What, Vince needed a fucking sugar, so he needed something to look at? Maybe. Dirty old bastard. 
So, but like, you play the this audio over the music, but then you got to have the actual audio because they have guys speaking during it. It's like Angle, Eddie sings out to Angle, like Undertaker having a quote and everything. Randy Orton saying, I'm going to be the youngest world champion ever. But like, you got to play those over this now dubbed in audio, mm. and it sounds crap. Yeah, it did. But then, look, we are allowed to start off the show. Pry was going off to JR and King welcoming the show before throwing down to Hugo and Carlos on the Spanish table, well, then drifting off to. Michael Cole and Taz are just the first match of the show. <laughs> Hugo and Carlos talking to Spanish going, Well, we've got bets on, seeing how long we're table will last tonight. Thankfully, did actually end up yeah. lasting the whole show. Good for them. And then it will end. Fucking Hugo's probably going, I told you, tenor, I knew they were only going to take the monitors off. I love how excited they were. They're always excited. I loved Hugo yeah. and. Uh, Carlos. Carlos. Carlos Cabrera and Hugo Savinovich. Yeah, I loved them. They were cool. Yeah, it opens up. We got Michael Cole and Taz representing SmackDown for the opening six man tag team match. All three members of the Dudley family, Bubba, Devon, and Spike. After the after the throwback to the house show where they were like, well, the Raw, wasn't SmackDown. It? SmackDown, where they were where fucking Spike turned on Ray and gave him a swift boot in the home Oz. And then did like a double stomp through the table where. Yeah, well, so he's like, Devon, Bubba Ray. Get the tables. And he said it so much, he's like, get the tables. Because, like, going into this, obviously, 3 CW and then a little bit in 2001, Spike Dudley was basically the whipping boy of Bubba and Devon, and then, briefly, they made they made good again in, like, 2002, because Bubba and Spike had made a makeshift tag team when Devon got drafted over a SmackDown, they two were on Raw. Yeah. Dudley's reunited. Now, they're all on SmackDown, they got, Dudley got moved over in 2004 in the draft, and... I noticed as well that this one they're not being called the Dudley boys they're just the Dudleys yeah no longer boys no they are, not, they are Dudley men now <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a silly name the Dudley men the Dudley men the Dudley men from Dudleyville <laughs> where is Dudleyville down the road from who gives a fuck <laughs> down the road if you don't ask questions you cunt but, so then they basically say, let's, let's change the things up now, Spike's mean there, then like, Bubba and Devon lost their tag team titles to the newly formed team of Paul London and Billy Kidman, and now Spike's won the Cruiserweight Champion from, uh, from Ramsey, he's turned heel, and they're like, no, I'm the one who's a champion in this family, I'm the boss now. Yeah. So basically now, some people look back on this not liking this gimmick from Spike, I, but I... I, I liked it. I liked it, because it's basically, as you see in this match, like, it's the short man acting like the, like a tough guy because he's got two bigger guys watching his back. Yeah, it's Michael, like a proto-dom. Right, Michael Cole's even saying, oh, oh he's, he's a big man now, and now he's got his brothers doing his handiwork. You know, you notice how Michael Cole is basically becoming the modern-day JR? <laughs> Everything yeah. a bad guy does, he always takes umbrage with. It's like, oh, you're a bastard, you, I don't like you. Yeah. Billy, Billy Kidman and Paul Linden, the tag, WWE Tag Team Champions. Could have held those titles for a... A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Because, like, Rico and Charlie Host were tag champs for a while. They lost them to the Dudley, so then lost them to Billy Kidman and Paul Linden. I'm thinking of Brian Kendrick and... Yeah, they were told them, like, a year and a bit. Brian like they, Kendrick and... And Paul Linden. And Paul Linden, They yeah. were told them for, like, a year and a bit. Uh, they had a record, which then was beaten by New Day on the way to beating the demolition record. Yeah. What was the demolition record? 478 days and uh, New Day ended up holding 483 but the Usos with their reign with the Smackdown then to the Unified Belt that's completely smashed that I think they're in the 500 yeah. odd yeah before, I hope before. gets that yeah I think I think if he holds it past 
payback, which on the because that's on the second of September, the date to get to to cross the record for Hong Kong is September sixth. So if he holds it until September seventh, mm-hmm. he's definitely the longest reigning one. Oh yeah, yeah, and the very fact that he's passed Pedro Morales and. Randy Savage. Aye, Randy and, Savage is like the second longest. Ring. Yeah, yeah. Because it was Rick Rude, I think, firstly, and then Randy, and then Pedro. And I think he's past Pedro, so he's not kicking the ass half a mm-hmm. honky's record, like you oh, say. Yeah. yeah. And he's, from what I've seen on Facebook today, he's the first ever mm-hmm. WWE wrestler to feature on the front page of the most important paper in Austria. Well, there you go. Then again, I don't, I don't know if there's been that many prominent internationally Austrian wrestlers. We're, we're calling them Gunther the Giant. <laughs> well, I think, because Ray Mio said Germany and Austria were big touring places for wrestlers to go back in the day, but I think in terms of Austrian wrestlers crossing over, he's definitely the biggest name. Yeah, I've got to say, though, mm-hmm. if he's featured on the front page of the most prominent p- paper in Austria, mm-hmm. he's holding that past Honky's record, yeah, but, which means that Drew ain't winning. Well, we're recording after that. Let's 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 cover ourselves. Ah, oh, it's good that he's carried on the record. Ah, shit, no luck. Ah, bastard. Ah, Drew, why did you have to go and ruin more fun? Why did you ruin it, Drew? Right, so Kidman obviously had the, the stuff with WCW came over during the invasion. Was a couple time cruiserweight champion. Yeah, seen Rey Mysterio did team for a little while in two thousand three, London. Kind of did get signed, I think, alongside Brian Kendrick. I think Brian Kendrick got let go and then came back a couple of years later. And then London got paired with Kidman. London doesn't have kind things to say about his time with Kidman as a team compared to how he teamed with Brian. I think is got- that anything to do with the fact that Kidman had a terrible habit of fucking up everything he did? Well, I think there's words that London's trade when he talked about as a wrestler was mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's also he and Brian were legit friends outside of the ring. Yeah. And then they did the storyline after this where they did because the titles because a legit he legit injured Chavo did like him like his knee his knee accidentally caught Kidman did. I accidentally yeah. connected with Chavo's face. And so they tell the story of like that Kidman doesn't want to hit the shooting star but the move that helps win the matches because he's he's too afraid of injuring people. And then at least to a match at No Mercy in two months after this we Paul Linden where he does at the end twice and injures Paul London for reals. <laughs> Idiot. I did have a, I did buy a double pack back at this period of time. I had Billy Kidman and Paul London in it. I <laughs> actually, cool. you know, talking to Brian Kendrick. Yeah. I like Brian Kendrick's weird heel solo run when he was getting honors for Ezekiel Jackson. Yeah. The, uh, the Brian Kendrick. The Brian Kendrick. I liked the Brian Kendrick. Did... The Brian Kendrick won any silverware at the time? Not then, but then he came back in 2016 after the Cruiserweight division did get a brief run as Cruiserweight champion like oh, cool. for like two months. Is that when he was kind of portly and had a beard? Yeah, he, he was, you know, he's, I, like, I did like his team song then, that, the man with the plan. Yeah, but he wasn't he, the Brian Kendrick then, he was Tubby Kendrick. <laughs> Tubby Beardy Plastic Kendrick. Anyway. Going into this match. You're, you're too fat to be in the cruiserweight division, Brian. Speaking of cruiserweights, I mean, there's four cruiserweights and the Dudley, so it makes for a nice, fast-paced kind of thing. I like the whole thing about Kidman and London being put together. Like, oh, look how quickly this team is going to have these two cruiserweights taking the tag division by storm, a.k.a. we don't have many exciting tag teams. Yeah. Look at these two. Look, we can jump and run. And flip. And the birds probably like them. Yeah. 
Goodman and, and London use their speed to take down Devon early on, but then Paul London gets isolated, which is cool because London is an awesome seller. Like mm. you talk, like he's got one of the most, one of the best eliminations in Rumble history. Where was that one where Snitsky broke him? This clothesline goes a flip, Ugh. which he then got, tells years later. Oh yeah, I got in trouble for doing that. So, oh no, you, you it was too over the top or whatever or some shit. It made Snitsky look like a beast. Mm-hmm. How is that bad? I know. I've got we, to say, well, watching we, that we match. Was well, we was willing to hurt himself. Just yeah. Watching this particular match, well, yeah. that segment on the outside of the ring with Devon mm. basically gave him a... It was basically a seriously vicious clothesline for hell, basically. Yeah. Fuck it, he turned around and Devon just went... Bang, you bastard. So Spike keeps trying to taunt Rey Mysterio. Like they do a couple of times here where like, they would go and bait them and then they come in so then he and Bubba would drag Paul into the corner and beat him up a little bit. Like, ah, uh, you, you fell for it. Yeah, he's like, ha, 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 I've got the title. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> you don't. But, like in the DVD, there's a Sunday Heat thing where Spike inform- further enforces that I'm the boss thing. Like, because like, there's a bit where like Kidman or he walks down Bubba and D one yelling like I don't like the fact that Kidman and they're walking around with their taxi tails and like, well you know, it's the only champion around here, like I've got a plan for that, you guys listen to me, alright? Mm. I would like to see that era Spike Dudley fight Rhea Ripley. <laughs> Spike at any year. He like, wouldn't like it. I think it was like the year before this where he was still just little Spike Dudley, but he was a face with the Dudley. There's that clip, I don't know if you've seen it, where Lara is going to put it to the table, but he doesn't quite make it, and he's heat. Oh, I've seen that, that looks viciously bad. Then London, thankfully, starts, you know, making his comeback. He, Devon's holding him against the ropes, but also then he ducks and Bubba knocks him off the yeah. apron. And I set the insecurity on him, ties in Ray, and Spike's tied Bubba, then Spike realised, like, oh fuck, the other two have been taking it, now I've been left with Ray, the guy I've been pissing off all evening. <laughs> so yeah, it's a springboard loud drop to the back of Spike's head at one point, then... Spike does the thing where he puts him in the, the ribs that he injured mm. in that deal. Like, but unknown, unknown time, he tumbles back, allows Kidman to tag himself in. And Kidman, you know, then he has a cool, like, set out spine buster move, yeah. but that gets broken up by Bubba. Uh, they look like they've got the face, like they've got the match one with the 6 1 9 and the shooting star press. But uh, D1 pulls Bubba Kidman off the cover, then that's when that clothesline happens. But then Ray tries to dive outside, and Devon just does a small Joe and moves. I know, and Ray, fuck! And Ray hits his head off them. I swear yeah. to God, when that particular post-level match happened, I was sitting watching it, I audibly went, Ooh, yeah, mm. fucker! <laughs> because it looked like... You know what, why sometimes something looks like a botch? Mm-hmm. That looked like a botch, because it looked like he really fucked his sent off the corner of that barrier. And so... You know what, when you're watching a wrestling match and you do that thing, mm-hmm. where you see a move and you go, oh yeah, bastard! They, they drag Kevin back in, Bubba gets his belt, Kevin kicks it away, so the ref grabs the belt and goes to him, and Kevin's attempt to come back is for not because he gets caught with a 3D from Bubba and he went, he's like, no, get out of the ring, I'm the one they go, and he just puts his horns on him, like, ah, I'm picking up the scraps. Mm. <laughs> one, two, three, at eight minutes and six, the heels score to open up SummerSlam. Yeah, it's such a good opening match, and so, oh, much, yeah. so much going on in eight minutes. Yeah, like the crowd were, like, Kibben and Reid did a good job of trying to get the crowd invested up, fired up London as he's getting beaten up and everything. Yeah. This was a good one. Then they'd be, get, then they'd be given two very meh matches after this. Very meh. Hmm. So I think that then went towards why the crew was quiet for a little bit and then decided after us, we're going to ah, make noise, we're going to make noise, but not for the who you want us to make we're noise. We're going to make noise, but you're not going to like the noise. Also, I found the network thing weird because 
I'm assuming there were a few times where between matches it went black and then came back and commentators would be talking. Where I assume, because I remember from the DVD, they'd be advertising like other DVDs that they had come in, like documentaries or other pay-per-views that they had on DVD that they wanted to sell, which they clearly cut out. So it feels weird that between matches you just go from match to match to match. There's, yeah. like, there's like two other, the two actual backstage things that they do keep in, which we'll get to. But other than that, there's very little separating the matches. I just say, when I eventually get it on VHS, you know nothing will be missing because VHS is king. I don't even know if, don't know. I think it's more, it was more available on DVD, so I think I'd, I'd have to bring up my DVD of it. It was 04, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but again, even then, because like, even then I think they were making them more thing to advertising. Oh, get this thing on DVD on. But they would video. still have done it because DVD video didn't die for another two years after this. Yeah. But let, think, it, let it died. I think the re- but again, I think the idea of moving more towards pitching your <laughs> stuff on DVD than video is part of the reason why it would die in only two years from then. I know, but uh, it's still it's still relevant to me. Damn it! Next we have the one and only till death do us part match. Oh yeah. This I'll let you take this one because, let, yeah, I don't care. Let me tell you the sordid tale behind this. Kane, at some point in the summer of 2004, mm-hmm. became obsessed with Lita. And then kept saying to her, I want you to answer something for me, and you better give me a yes. But I never would say what he wanted an answer yes to. And then kept beating the shit out of Matt Hardy. And basically making their life hell until she said yes, and she just went yes, and then... We don't hear what she said yes to, but basically you get from context... It is implied. It's implied that Kane wanted to have sex with Lita. And so basically that, that was her saying yes was her giving consent. So that was WWE's idea. Have Kane go and batter her man-a-buggery until she went and decided to open her legs for him. Kind of. And then, well, a few weeks later... We found what it, great storytelling. A few weeks later we found it in kayfabe Lita is pregnant. Because also the whole thing was fine. She was never pregnant in real life. Yeah. And... So Matt Hardy hears about who both in real life and on screen they're together. So he proposed to her in a segment well, on now. Raw. He proposed to her in a segment on Raw, but then Kane appears on the mic like, oh, you think that's your kids? No, 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 it's mine. And he's like, oh, well, why don't you just... And Matt's like, you're a liar. And Kane's like, why don't you just leave Like, well... <laughs> you think that's your kid, it's Adam's kid. And Kane and Lita was kind of like, maybe, it might be. He's like, it might be yours. And Matt was like, what do you mean might be? Like, we've been together four years at this point. And he was, he was raging, and then Kane and Matt had a match at Vengeance, which which Kate, which Matt won, and then right before this, <sighs> Kane basically would not. It's weird. Kane wanted to marry Leah because he was carrying his tail. It's weird. Kane will set people on fire, electrocute shaming man titles, bury his own brother alive, but God forbid should he have a baby out of wedlock. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's... I mean when you hear about Mayor Glenn Jacobs' views on the subjects like abortion, you. You could see, you could probably see this coming. He was planting seeds. Oh yeah. There's jokes about his politics. Well, obviously, if she was pregnant. There, there was a uh, jokes about his politics I could make here, but I'm not clever enough. So, insert your own jokes here. <laughs> but anyway. Okay. Knock knock. Who's there? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> and so we cut to back to Raw, where Leah says she's taking a test, and DNA proves. That is actually Kane's kids. And Matt's annoyed about it. And then Kane doing the contract saying, Well, Matt, it seems like I'm more of a man than you'll ever be. To which Matt throws a table at him. Right. And then hits him with a briefcase. Which, and also, one weird thing about this is like, well, yeah, she's caught in the middle with the man. She wants to be with the man who's 
stalking her and impregnating her against when she didn't want to be impregnated by him. She's not with the man she wants to be with. Edge wasn't there yet. But, <laughs> so it's caught between these two people. And she's all in distress. She's pregnant. She doesn't know what's going to happen. Her, who she might marry is on the line. She comes out to this fucking rock song. I know. It doesn't fit the second And by, by the sound of it, it wasn't bleeped neither. No. Which I thought was kind of cool. Fuck your rules, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think they originally got us around 02 when they did because it was a song on the uh, Forcible Entry album. I have what. So she comes out and everything. They're all like, "Well, she even looks pregnant." Like, "Well, she's maybe pregnant." Yeah, of course she looks pregnant. You fucking don't. Twat. Don't you know how sex works, Jerry? Mm. There's a weird sign later on. She walks back out of the ramp and says, "Yeah, Lita is a dumbass." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I see what she did there. Amy Dumbass. <laughs> so we got Matt versus King. King steps over the, the rose, but Matt immediately goes on the attack. And basically, the story is that Matt is desperate to try and beat Kane because he stupidly agreed to put the idea how if he can marry the woman he loves on the line in a fucking wrestling match. Yeah. And then people watch this like, wow, winner can marry this woman. Maybe this stupid thing here were put on the line in a match. 2005 SummerSlam went, hold our beer, we're going to put the custody of a child on the line. Yeah, hold my, I'll show you. Yeah, yeah. that was mental. <laughs> but now when we hit the DET and the side effect that okay, we can't keep him down, Kane does a big, a big uppercut to yeah. that. <laughs> I loved uh, Kane's big uppercut. Also, I love Kane, the noise he made every time he does a big up Be honest, right? Because you, and I'm not talking about Mayor Jacobs, I'm talking about Kane, right? Yeah. You were a massive Kane fan, right? You were like a Kane fan on the level that I was a DX fan, right? Yeah. You loved Kane. I know you loved Kane. When I gave you that Stella fucking, his debut, you marked the fuck out. You loved Kane. It was a cool thing to get. Hell yeah, man. It was a cool thing to find. (laughs) (laughs) You know? But would you say, like, definitively, like, classic, like, from when you got into wrestling until now, like, as a wrestler, Kane was your guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's my guy. I don't I think he just, he just seemed cool to me, even though he was a bad guy for most of it. Yeah. He just seemed cool with the fire and everything. What was your favourite variation? Baldy, talky, psycho, or masky, silent psycho? I mean, I thought I liked the coolness of the mask, but maybe just mildly I might give it to mask, to unmasking because I was introduced to him unmasked. What about original? Setting JR on fire, towel king. Oh yeah, that that period is cool because like they were doing stuff with them, like the idea of like again, I I think there's stuff to go with the whole emotional pain being the thing that was actually when, like he thinks the whole psychosomatic issue of thinking he was his figure when he wasn't, thinking like paranoid. Everyone's gonna look at him. Everyone's looking at him funny, and so he's just attacking people at random. That scene where he has to come out with security and everything. He's got handcuffs and like he's walking on fucking dead. Yeah, yeah. I did. I mean, that could have. I think Lat Kane could have lasted longer than it did. Yeah. I think Lat Kane could have main evented a few things, you know. Yeah. I mean, he did kind of get an event. He got to do a triple threat with Goldberg and, and Triple H Armageddon 3 Yeah. He wasn't really a big factor in that. I don't think. It just that was that was Goldberg and Triple H. Yeah. Uh, I would say there's a point here where Kane's talking Lee and she's trying to get away from him around the ring, where I'm pretty sure I'm vaguely here that. I think the fans are chatting slut at Lita. Yeah, yeah, you heard it. I listened for it. You know me being a 
you know me being basically a heel magnet, you know what I mean? I love heels. Mm -hmm. Whenever I hear anything that disparages the faces, well, I hear it. Well, like, yeah, like, I used to get chanted at, like, Stephanie back in the day, whatever, but, like... Oh, what worse could chanted do Stephanie? But, like, she's not done anything. This man has forced himself on her. Yeah, but like you like you say, weird crowd. That was like, my kind of crowd. Like, I remember there was a, there was a segment on the pilot SmackDown, not the proper debut, but there was a pilot they did for it, where Stephanie, it's the first episode that Stephanie does after she got kidnapped by the Undertaker. She talks about the wedding, she was like, the Undertaker kidnapped me, he removed my clothing, the fans go, hey, like, that's not, that's not a way moment, you daft. Yes. You, you, you sexually assaulted the women and you're cheering that? Yay. No, no, ripping yay. Women, ripping, ripping women's clothes off. Not in that context. You sick fucks, no. Hey, Kane gets DDT's on the outside by Matt, and then he, he's desperate for the camera, <laughs> but Kane sits up at six and manages to make it back in. Then Leah distracts the ref while Matt dings the ring bell off Kane's that head. That looked vicious. And then uh, they, it's, I'm sorry to cut in, but it's rare I've seen that. Mm -hmm. You know when someone seemingly hits someone with the ring bell so hard that it bounces off <laughs> their head and flies out the fucking ring? And then Kane has to put his rope, which they would come to put over like a guy like Kate Kurt, someone like Kane. Like, oh, that's not something that you usually see Kane do. <laughs> and then Matt try, Kane goes to the top, but Matt crotches him and tries to go for some top rope DAT thing. So Kane then grabs him by the throat and it's a choke slam off the top. That finishes him. Finishes them in six, just over six minutes. I only got six. Yep. Seemed a little longer. Maybe because it, like, in my head, it dragged a little bit, so maybe it seemed longer. It's, it's not. It, it not, did have good segments. It's not until the angle match that matches start going over ten. minutes. The angle match was fantastic. That match onwards, they all get over ten minutes. These, and all get better. The old these first few don't really get that. Yeah. That <laughs> angle match was phenomenal. Leah kind of the camera zooms in on Leah the realization that oh fuck <laughs> and she's kind of walking away and trying to get away from Kane and J J Waller's asking all these questions about the wedding. Why do you think she's gonna wear it? Why do you think it's wedding? She's like I don't know about the goddamn wedding king. Like is it your job to be less manky? You dick. Also, also they'll keep asking oh well she can't wear white and then Trish Stratus keeps making fun of her in this time like oh you're Brian you're gonna get fat you. That helps kick off their feud <laughs> properly. Yeah. And she's like, oh. Oh, and then she, like, Leah wears black and Kane wears white. You're like, oh, you can't wear white when you're pregnant. You're like, why? If you're pregnant and you're getting married, most people that are at the wedding know you're pregnant. Who gives a fuck? Do you know, I know I rip with piss a lot and mm -hmm. I have been quite negatory towards Trish in the past, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you fucking something. Mm -hmm. You know how disparaging I'm going to be when we get to this goddamn dodgeball pish, right? Yeah. I ain't going to hold back. Oh, no, you, I wouldn't expect you to. But I will fucking take my hat off to Trish <laughs> and to Lita. Mm -hmm. Thank fuck for both of them actually making women's wrestling seem legit. Mm -hmm. Thank fuck. They do a thing before, after this, like... Trish holds a baby shiver for Leah. I've got a picture of what we think your baby might look like. It's just a regular picture of a baby with a big Kane's picture head. of Kane's head just stuck on top yeah, of it. I've seen that. I remember seeing that back in the day. That was funny as fuck. And then Did we get... Leah not take it well? No, no, she didn't. <laughs> There's a bit where she finally snaps where after she loses the kid, she's in like, well, 
you're starting to look a bit chubby. You've still got a bit of the baby weight around you there. Mm. And then Leah just goes, ah, oh, fuck this. and just claps or what? Tell, tell me quickly, by the way, if yeah. you do know this information, by the way. You know that match, which I have never goddamn seen. I wish I'd seen it. Uh-huh. You know that match, that Lita Triss match? From Raw? Was that Raw where Lita comes out looking bloody as fuck? Oh, no, no, that's the Survivor Series match. Survivor where, where Series. Trish looks, Trish get, oh, four, where Trish gets busted open as the... The protective mask, which he recently brought back during this Becky Lynch for the big protective yeah, mask yeah, yeah. he had. But yeah. that was a proper fucking... Yeah. That was a beat, yeah. a beat yeah. down, that one. Yeah, and she comes in like, oh, I'm, I'm the most beautiful in this vision. Look what you've done to my face. Like I say, Lita and Trish, lay fucking... I, I will say it now. Thank you, Trish. <laughs> she says to like, my face, what have you done to my face? I'm melting, I'm melting. What I'm, a world. I'm hideous. <laughs> Don't look at me. Yeah. Dashing Trish Trash. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. Then we get backstage uh oh well, before that. You wanna hear a sad fact related to Kane? Go on. This is Kane's only pay per view win of two thousand and four. Fuck right off. Obviously he's in the rumble, doesn't win that. Mania fights the Undertaker, loses. Fights Edge at Backlash, loses. Loses in a world title match to uh, Benoit, bad blood, loses. Uh, loses to Matt before this. Fights he has an open contract for Unforgiven and Lita is despite him like, oh, I've signed a name for you. Shawn Michaels. And Shawn was coming back from an injury. Shawn beat him there. Got written off by Snitsky at Tower Tuesday, which is apparently so he could go film See, see No Evil. It and wasn't that, like, wasn't Tabo Tuesday really disparaged, though? Didn't people hate that? Well, well it wasn't the greatest. I mean, you want to talk about the women. That, it was a female women's battle royal for the, the title, right? Called the... And I feel sick for saying this. Fulfill your fantasy battle royal where the where the vote was. What outfit should the women wear during the match? Do you know? Quite honestly, I think I would go horse. Mm. With the amount of fucking vitriol I could spit. And first, I will mm-hmm. state not towards the goddamn women. Yeah. When their fucking fault they yeah. were being forced to do this shit. Mm-hmm. But my god, man, the fucking the level of fucking bullshit we had to go through in was ridiculous. Then, then we go to a backstage interview with Randy Orton, and then Todd Wilson's starting to talk about Leah being upset, and he's going to throw it to Randy. Then Randy Orton just cuts him off, like, Why would anyone be upset? Tonight is a great night. Today is a night for greatness. The night where the most talented, most charismatic, this up and coming superstar becomes a champion. The night where he pauses, cuts off. And Cena's there. Dr. Thugnock, Cena comes in and goes, who, I forgot, used to have the nickname The Franchise. She borrowed from Shane Douglas, but fuck Shane Douglas. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'd never gone. Why was Shane Douglas a thing? I thought Shane Douglas was always pissed. Don't you mean Dean Douglas? Both, both of them were shit. Wasn't, <laughs> he, wasn't, he, wasn't he allowed to hold the IC title once? For like 10 minutes? 11 minutes. But as long as Ray's third world title run. Oh no, we got an hour out of that at least. Oh well. <laughs> I mean, if all the ways I could say that Ray Mysterio is better than uh, than Dean or Shane Douglas, I didn't think that would be up there. I would be like six on the list. Yeah. Anyway. But, so he you comes, get that, Dean Douglas. Shane, so Shane Douglas comes in goes, don't like you. Shane Douglas comes in. Like, oh, thank you, man. Thanks for the introduction. You call me the youngest, most charismatic superstar in WWE. Like, you know what? Cocky prick. You know, we should maybe get you a you know, jersey because he's got a Toronto Blue Jays thing because he always had a local jersey. It's part of his gimmick. You know, I'll get you some chains, some wristbands. You look pretty good. But I'm a fan of yours, Randy. 
Hello, hey, you got some fans out there. Let's go see. Hey, hey, tonight, do you guys, do you all, do you guys like Randy Orton? Boo. Oh, let's try one more. Tonight, do you think Randy Orton's going to beat Chris Benoit? Boo. Oh, well, at least the people are behind you. <laughs> and Todd Grishin goes, I love the way Randy's just Todd Grishin goes, well, I think the crowd is booking or anything. They don't think us. So I don't care what a couple of ass-backwards Canadians think. <laughs> I don't care what John Cena has to say. And it's very interesting to certainly boo that segment, but they're cheering them during the match. Mm -hmm. It's funny. It's only three years after this. These two will be those two will be main eventing SummerSlam in two thousand and seven. Yeah. And Who won? Cena won. Ah. Oh. Then they fight again in 2009. It's not the main. It's like the semi main event, and Orton wins that one. Yay! One of many, many matches they would have. Like, was that when Orton was a complete bastard, though? That was when, during the Legacy days, yeah. Right, was that during when he punted Cena's dad in the dome? No, that was 07. Like, no, he beat, so Cena beats Orton in 07 to lead up to lead into the Unforgiven match. Because like, Cena won't give him a rematch. So he went, alright then, I'll punt your dad in the Cena gets himself DQ because he's so angry at Cena at Orton at Unforgiven, which is meant to be the last one time match at No Mercy. But right before that, Cena gets that peck injury. Ah, yeah, and then that peck injury, which he magically fucking comes back early for and then ruins the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Prick. Anyway. What an asshole, man. It's amazing, like, where these guys would be like, Orin when he's World Tales, Cena went this match with Bigger T, but then, where they go even the years after, before that match, you know, something like, the next year, Cena's there, champion fighting Chris Jericho, Orton's fighting The Undertaker, 06, Orton's fighting Hulk Hogan, Hogan's last proper WWE which match. Which he had to win. Alright, Hogan had to win. And Cena's fighting Edge. Fucking Hogan. No, don't don't put our like, up and coming brilliant guy. Have my silly broken old ass win this match against the guy who obviously I should be losing against. Now this match wasn't great, but the storyline around it I have fond memories of. The, the Orton Cena one? No, the uh, Booker T Cena one. Oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah. The, uh, the best of five yeah. thing. Also... You clearly, clearly, this is the point where they threw it to a thing where they promote the song the show because they mentioned Summertime Blues. Like, we also suffer from Summertime Blues. Maybe this man, as Booker T comes out, nothing happens. He just cuts the black after the ordinary view. Then comes back and Randy and Michael calls Rama talking about Summertime Blues. Yeah. But funnily enough, most times when it cuts their graphic, the generic music's playing. Not when they cut to the Shield FTS part match graphic. That, that bit you hear, you briefly hear it still playing. Yeah. But I missed one little bit of it. They didn't get it all. Ha 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 ha! Fuck you! A victory for the little man. Little man. <laughs> but yeah, so the storyline here goes: Cena was US champion, which I remember loving him as US champion. Kurt Angle GM. Kurt Angle didn't like John Cena. Kurt Angle, John Cena had a match with Booker T. He accidentally knocked out Kurt Angle out of his wheelchair, so he stripped him of the title. Mm -hmm. But then, so then, then he got him replaced by Teddy Long, who booked an eight-man elimination match, which Booker T through shenanigans managed to win. Being, being, finally beating Cena and RVD towards the end of it. Then Booker went, you know, I think you and Cena are very evenly matched, and you know, he never lost that title. So, which I believe was a play on when Booker had a best of seven with, with Chris Benoit and WCW. He said, stay alone, but the best of five series between Booker and John Cena. So, the first match is here. We'd have two more matches on TV and one match in Australia at a house show, and then the final one happened at No Mercy. So, Cena won this one, Booker won on SmackDown. Then cheated at the Australia live event. Then they went to that SmackDown a couple weeks before. And like, oh, it's a must win for John Z. He has to win this. They tie it up. Cena wins it. And they go on to No Mercy. Well, Cena won. And immediately lost it the following week to Carlito, who debuted. Oh, thank God. And got written out because he had to go film the Marine. Which was clearly of vital importance. 
Well, better than I'm having a US title. I like US champions here. This is why I was actually happy in 2015 when I went back. Because I had memories of them holding the US belt. And then everyone who was annoyed about it was like, Oh, but then, then they went, oh, they did the US Open Challenge. You liked that, didn't you? I'll be honest, around about that time period, I think, is when I was starting to really, really dislike him. Because that was when he was starting year to... year or 2015? Oh, no, around about just after he filmed the Marine, because oh, yeah. that's when he was starting to become Latsina. Oh, yeah. And you know I didn't like Latsina. Okay, one well, thing I'm annoyed about with this match... The fucking Dago kiddie-friendly one. Do you know anything about this? Like, he's, he's not really kid fr that kid-friendly, but he's as popular as there as Let's Go Seen a Chance, so he's one of the only faces, the only wins, but a face that gets a react the desired reaction. Oh yeah, because at that point he was still a cocky wee prick. Yeah. He was still, still likeable. He still had BFU. Aye. But the other thing about this, I noticed it in the JBL match, and I noticed it here, and I'm annoyed about it. I thought the whole 90% of the match the opponent beats him up and then Sia comes back was a mainly a early days Super Cena thing when he won the title for the first time. No, no, they did it here as well. And that caused the match to fucking suck. You mean the, the abrupt finish? Yeah, the abrupt finish after getting beaten up for most of it, like, yeah, I mean, was, I, this 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 really underwhelmed me. I'm annoyed about that. Yeah, like because Booker was giving him a bit of a kick in during the match, and then all of a sudden Booker goes to lift him up. Oh look, f you, done. Mm -hmm. And you're like, come on, man. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like this goes intense. You know, tries to go for like a go behind the go by and grab the arm, and then Booker just like fuck you, <laughs> back elbows him. Booker takes advantage, taking him outside, and then hits the weakest looking axe handle I've ever seen. Doesn't even do an axe handle; just slaps his back and. Michael Cole has to cover for like, oh, look at look, that manoeuvre right there. Yeah, well, come you, on. You, you, you tried, Michael, you tried. You do you do remember Cena's STF, right? Yeah, but it wasn't even Cena's fault. It was Booker going, there. Oh, it was, oh, it was Booker who had yeah, done that. There. Yeah. Oh, no, but like I say, you got to remember Cena's STF. <laughs> you know, like, basically cuddling fresh air and going, tap, tap, and you're like, why? He, he hasn't used it yet, but it used to be called the STFU. Yeah, like STFU and the FU. Yes. Shut the fuck up and the fuck you. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So then, Cena gets worked over for ages, gets a camel clutch and starts fading out of it. He starts his comeback, but then Booker picks him up with a, well, well, well admittedly with a cool looking spine buster. Yeah. 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 Yeah, starts going through his moves, not quite doing the shoulder tackle or the five knuckle shuffle as of yet. Do you know what I'm doing this now? Every time we make an LA Knight reference, I'm taking a charge of my can. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So then Booker kind of hits him, hits him with a flapjack, and then Booker makes a mistake. He wastes time doing the, the spin around him. Yeah, like, oh. the crowd, and then turns around. F <laughs> you. And one, two, three, Cena wins, goes one up on the. And Taz was writing his prediction, because this was not a good match for Taz and, and Cole is going to one, one of the weaker showings. But uh, he goes, oh, I think personally it's whoever wins the match, they'll have the momentum, they'll win the series. And Cena won this match, and he won the series, so Taz was technically right. And Michael Cole had to give him a tenner. <laughs> oh, yeah, bastard. Pay up, Cole. Come on. You lousy bastard. <laughs> and then we cut backstage to... Recently reinstated general manager Theodore <laughs> Arlong. John Cena, each way. <laughs> John Cena, next match, three quid on the list. Yeah, tipped. Terry Long and Eric Bischoff backstage. Uh, Eric Bischoff comes in and introduces himself, like, hello, Theodore Long. And he, 
Weird, like, weird thing I noticed, I was just staring at everybody, so he takes his glasses off, puts it in his pocket, then randomly takes them back again, starts fiddling about them while Teddy Long's talking. Because he's nervous in front of the legend, which is Teddy Long, player. Personally, I think one of my favourite, if not the best, in my opinion, Raw GMs is fucking Eric Bischoff. One of the best Smackdown GMs Teddy was Long. Teddy Long. Because the whole point is like, well, you know, I want you to enjoy your time as Smackdown GM, you know. Enjoy, learn as much as you can, because I doubt you'll be around very long, because obviously they went from Stephanie, and then Paul Heyman at the end of 03, and then after WrestleMania they got crying on every time. It's like, oh, I'm always dealing with a new GM every time we do these cross-branded I'm, shows. I'm sorry to be that guy, but he was around longer than Eric Bischoff was. I know, but also it was maybe, it was maybe the whole thing that he's meant to be a dick to this new guy, like, oh. They were switching out. He was the third SmackDown GM of 2004 and the fourth overall since the brand split. Yeah. And then he went, like, Well, thank you for that. Like, he goes, Don't take that personally, Teddy. You know, it's just reality. <laughs> well, I can appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate it. I don't know if your your nephew Eugene will beat Triple H tonight. I don't know if you'll succeed in getting rid of him. But if, you, if he does, if you, but if you do, I will personally sign him over to SmackDown. Not just him, but any roster bizarre that's sick of you. I ain't personal. That's just reality, player. Yeah, Taylor Long. Why couldn't you just fire Eugene? Taylor Long was not yet at the point of of picking everyone in tag team matches, player. You'll be facing the Undertaker, player. And, and someone who watched in like the twenty tens when he was still around, he then switched over his favorite favorite of. Uh, he had two more favorites after the Undertaker. For a while, was your goal one on one with Randy Orton. And then we'll go one on one with Seamus. Player. Are you? Need to do the player. Mm-hmm. He was around longer than Bischoff. He, he was a, around longer than that guy he took the theme music from. Yeah, Rodney Mac. Rodney, who? What was he, like a year? I don't know. I don't know. The <laughs> Matt weird, Militant. Weirdly enough, like, two SmackDown pay-per-views ago, Ted Long was a manager on SmackDown Marriage and Mark Jindrak. Yeah. Briefly. Yeah. Really? I fucking remember him. He was shit. Yeah, really. Because also, Secret Angle come out with uh, Luther Reigns. After a little while, Mark Jindrak will join him, so we'll have two lackeys. Old Kurt Angle, Mark Jindrak, and Luther Reigns. Yes. Who lasted more time, Luther Reigns or Jindrak? Well, Jindrak had been around a little longer, and re- I think he had more wrestling experience because he'd been in WCW and, yeah. and everything. Came Is Jindrak over. still involved in wrestling? Well, yeah, he, he wrest- primarily he's wrestled in Mexico in the last few years. What about Luther Reigns? Oh, I think I think he's pretty much done. Yeah, I think they both got like over at the same time, like 05 or whatever. Ah, uh, so they both got like go, and then Jindrak wrestled quite a bit in Mexico and all that. I think he's still going today. May have went over to Japan for a must bit. Must been like must be a a mature age anyway. Yeah. No. There was also the clips when we in Mexico showing off how cool he's dropped. Like there's a guy to wrestle one on his guy's shoulder, and he does a drop and gets the guy who's on the shoulders. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So, well, I think we uh, sorry, Teddy Long is he would be JM for a couple more years, get usurped by Vicky during the whole thing with her and Edge. He'd Excuse brief, me. Brief, briefly go over to uh, ECW to be GM, then come back to SmackDown and held that up up until about twenty twelve. But then Booker T briefly in twenty twelve was GM, and then Teddy Long stayed around as the assistant to the SmackDown GM. So mm. he's still. Around had some authority to occasionally pick matches because yeah. someone has to say there's a tag team match player. Mm-hmm. You know that guy who who he took the theme music from? Yeah, Rodney Mack. Yeah, when Rodney Mack, you know, was there, didn't Teddy manage him? 
Yeah, yeah. He was, that's why he was. That's why he got the theme song. The Mac Militant. Briefly, I think he he managed Rodney Mac Jazz for a little while in O2. Did, he managed Mark Henry. Did Rodney Mac, in his brief tenure in WWE, have any significant no, match? Not really. Or was he just a a SmackDown guy? Well, he was on Raw for a little while then. Dave Long was on Raw at the start of 04 with the Matt Melton music managing Mark Henry for a little while, then got me Doris Smackdown, and then went to Mark Jindrak, then got me GM. Yeah, well. Well, because like, he'd been a manager in WCW, then got brought over. As a referee. And got, became a referee, and then, well, like, oh, Dave Long's a good talker, we'll make him a manager again, and then. Yeah. Well, Kent seems like a cool guy, does Teddy Long. I'd like to meet Teddy Long, you know, he seemed, like you say, he seems funky. Got accused in the locker room of selling Viagra to some guys, which I think he he does admit he did do occasionally. That's hardly a crime. I think he sold some to like Viscera. He didn't take it for a second, he just took it and just sat there with his hard on. According to Teddy Long himself. Well he took some he took some Viagra and went, what what <laughs> just to prove I can still get erection. I think that's God taking the piss, getting your bone, they will bury it. Anyway, this is the point I think where the crowd turns. Because, like, you got... For the better. The first match, yay, fun crowd-popping match. Second match, second and third match, kind of men of action. Yeah. And then this one, you got a match where you've got a guy you like, but then you're being told to like a different guy, and you got a third guy who you're indifferent to. In terms of the crowd, this is the point where they turn, because... Yeah, because... Can I, can I take this one? As I see it, right? As you see it. As I see it, first one out, Batista... Mm-hmm. Batista with his greasy hair, Batista. He's better with short or no hair. Is I like his greasy hair. You know, young Batista, young. He was clumsy as fuck in this match, but by the way. By God, he was big. Yeah, but like watching some of the movies, some of the ways he was like, Ugh, a bit awkward in this match. He looked at yeah, like, yeah. I looked, I looked down like, if you told me by the next WrestleMania he'll be world champion, I would have told you to fuck off. Like I say, in this particular match, yeah, he was he was green as fuck. Uh-huh. All right, let's be honest. I mean, he was one of those big guys that when he was not within his faction, you've seen his frailties. Yeah. But no, he comes out, gets a semi-reaction, you know. People make noise, not a lot of it, but they make noise. Mm-hmm. And Jericho comes out, they make noise for Jericho. Mm-hmm. Edge comes out. No one really cares. They care they, they, they more so cheer the fact they mentioned Toronto. It's like the Rock said, Hooray, he said Toronto. Yeah, yeah. That's where but we live. Edge comes out, right? And the, the point I kind of felt like, yeah, laying back in, laying back in the homeboy, mm-hmm. is when Edge came in, mm-hmm. stood on the apron, and immediately got booted the fuck off it by Batista. And... You didn't hear a boo. Mm-hmm. You didn't hear a cheer. You just heard nothing. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared. You know, nobody gave a flying fuck. Mm-hmm. And then as the match went on, like you say, oh, what did you hear? Jericho. Aye. Or Edge. Or people with Edge, with Edge sucks signs. Yeah, and all you heard was Y2J, Y2J. So going into the Edge won the title a month earlier from Randy Orton, basically to take the belt off Orton, so we weren't going to go into the title match yeah. there. And Edge won the the title from Orton, looked at the baby face, everything. He uh, he came back with the Royal Zombie team, but soon got given back his old Edge and Christian. You think you know me music, but by the end of Wolf War, I think he'll debut Metalingus, and that'll be the theme he, he sticks with. He sticks with. Up until that brief bit where he was a bit of a goth and started the Judgment Day. 
Well, yeah, but then the Judgment Day sort of sense and booted his old ass out. And then he got metal injured again. Yeah, and no one cared. But then they got, so we got this match. Uh, Probably would have cared if he didn't cut his goddamn hair. On the roll before this, Jericho oh, got a win in a non-title match over Edge and then walked off while Batista beat the shit out of Edge. Yeah. There's a Sunday Night Heat interview with, with him. Oh, I didn't mention Sunday Night Heat. There was a match on Sunday Night Heat. RVD in around six or so minutes beat Rene Dupree. There you go. He beat a member of the classic and most lauded team, La Resistance. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Was he the one that done the stupid wee poofy dance? Yes, the little dance. Yes. So best thing, thing we did that match, we eliminated someone in the 2004 rumble, we did the dance, turned around and Keisha super kicked him and stormed over the rope. <laughs> I remember that. And 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 Taz, great call, only Rikishi's allowed to dance around here. <laughs> And he, is that the one? It's the old four rumble with the uh, with ben, the one where Ben Wall wins. Is that the one with Daniel Pewter? No, that's all five. I need to get that one. Oh, I'll show you a clip maybe after this. I've seen the clip. Of, no, 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 uh, no. As of Angle talking about it. Yeah, and why, I've, I've and seen that maybe, clip too. And why maybe people thought they like he said he thought I was the reason he didn't work as a wrestler. No, it's because you sucked. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that clip well a bit, but he talks about like. I just love the bit where he's talking about how Bob Holly, <laughs> fucking Eddie, and Benoit basically thought cheeky wee bastard and slapped the living piss at him. Mm-hmm. And I've seen clips of it, and my Christ, I wouldn't have liked to be on the side of the chops because I, some of them sounded like we're going to crack his stun them. I was like, Mohammed Thang got thrown up by everybody in that rumble, and nobody really liked him. You heard the prank somebody pulled on him. He's like, Eddie Guerrero's father, Goy Guerrero, invented the camel clutch. Yeah. Which then got turned in because of Iron Sheik. Basically, anyone of Iranian or that descent or character, a.k.a. him, even though he wasn't Iranian or anything like that. No, he was Italian. He had to use the camel clutch. So somebody got in his ear, because obviously Hassan didn't know about the history of the camel clutch. Someone got in his ear and said, oh, you know, Eddie was using the camel clutch earlier on because Eddie was doing his little match to his dad and everything. You should tell Eddie you shouldn't be using your move. And so he went up to that, and Eddie went off like, you tell me not to use my other foot move my father invented, who the fuck do you think you are? And they're like, I didn't realise, someone told me, like, so they're like, oh, so then the word got around, like, here, Hassan told Eddie he couldn't use these, the movie his father did. That's poor, man, that's not some, nice. Somebody, somebody fucking threw him in the fucking deep end there. Threw him under the bus. Right under the bus. But right, the match, so Edge comes out, and to show how much they want to get him over, not only do you have, you have Lily Garcia going, he is there because of and Toronto's own. Yeah. Cheer for him, you Like, cheer for him, gone. Yeah. That killed him. Yeah. You have JR Bellamo, a young man who dreamed of being a wrestler and everything. Does mention the real life thing of Edge being raised by a single mother, never knowing his dad's. Yeah, like, oh, he, he went and turned up at WrestleMania 6 front row as a teenager. Like, he wasn't a front row, he was up about fucking six or seven seats back. I know. But then, like you said, he gets booted over the top while he's doing his pose on the road. So it's Batista and YGJ for a little bit. I don't even think he got the daily pose. He jumped up in that apron and got booted. And then so Jericho and Batista for a little bit. Batista catches him with a cool looking slam, I'll admit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, See, that's the thing at that point. Batista could pull off occasional really solid moves. He just couldn't get any flow. And then he ruined it by getting dropped. He was going to go over the top. Falls between the ropes, bounces, goes, and then stands back up and has to get hit again. So How's he, he go? 
And then it's when Eddie's Ooh. standing alone in the ring where you start, I was thinking maybe the booze, the whole thing about Eddie getting booed was a bit of a reaction. The then, when he, then when he stood, stood in the ring, he was like, boo. <laughs> yeah. And then basically allowed when he's in the ring with Y2G, because everything Y2G goes, does go, hey. And he goes, boo. And then fans are chatting Y2G like, and that's what, yep. this is where the beginnings of Bizarro World be start. With I Gerald. loved Bizarro World. <laughs> I really did. That's my kind of world. Yeah, but like, all these fans, they're, they're, they're actually booing. They're booing heads. <laughs> yeah, believe this, JR. It's like, aye, because you cunts are trying to push the fact that they should be booing, they should be fucking cheering for them. People don't play that shit. Edge thought about this in a documentary a few years later. It's like the first time in two years I wrestled in Toronto and they, they booed me. And so he kind of used this to convince Vince, you know, let me turn heel and like, do you want to boo me? I'll give you something to boo. Well, like, I'll give you something to boo. And then but, that basically created one of the best fucking characters they ever portrayed. I mean, and you talk about the stuff with Lita and Edge. Like, Matt wrestled that match with Kane with a legit, like, fucked up knee. Uh, like, his MCL was torn out. His ACL was almost shredded down to nothing. I suppose, I guess, underneath his baggies, he was yeah. well, fucking big, big, taped up the fuck. Big up knee brace and everything. Uh, so then lost here, and then tried to interrupt the wedding on Raw, and got chokeslammed off the stage by Kane. <laughs> and that wrote him out. Like, couldn't you have just had him win, they do the wedding, and then you say, oh, they've gone off to go on a honeymoon and slash have the kids. And then you explain why it comes back with no baby, just don't mention the kids. Because Matt was going to be out for nearly a year. And so Lita like, well... Oh, how bad the knee injury was? Nearly a year. Like, like, wow. So then the, the whole thing was Lita was like, oh, I don't know, I don't really travel with anyone other than Matt. Oh, Matt, me, Matt and Edge are all pals. Me and Edge will travel together. Oh. Yeah, and then that started and then Matt kicked off about it online, got released for doing that, which got more hate on Lita and Edge. Edge also t- was married to Val Venus's sister. Well, he may have left her and then married another woman, but he was married at the time. Yeah. So then his relationship broke apart. So he fucked up Matt and Lita's relationship and fucked up his own relationship. Yeah, and then... And then... I've, do you know, on that note, I've seen on YouTube, I've seen that goddamn... Was it Raw? Or Smackdown, where Matt comes... Oh, yeah, it's a Raw, yeah. And he, he lets rip. Like, he, he ain't scripted then. No. And he's like, Adam, you fucking bitch. He's like, I'm going to fucking get... And I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. And he even shouts out Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because he's doing stuff in Ring of Honor. And then they let him finish up his dates before coming back. Because they did legit release him. Because they didn't like the way he went online talking about it. And... Yeah, like, he didn't like the Matt, fact he was upset. Like, the way Matt talks about like the way he handled the situation, the way he reacted, like he was hurt. He said, "Like I think I could have done more." Because like I really, because the way he reacted and drew a lot of hate, which lasted for quite a while on Lita and everything. He like, and I kind of feel bad about the way he reacted. He think I should have done. Like yeah, it's okay to be hurt, but I should you see feel like he should have reacted more mature. To it. I wouldn't have. They. Like, and then apparently, by the time it got to like mid to set, but they're doing the live set celebrations, Lita and Edge aren't even together in real life anymore because like the hate between them kind of ruined whatever was between them in real life. Yeah, we, we just didn't have any kind of solid or friendly relationship after that. And you know, it's understandable because I mean, if, Joaquin, if someone did that kind of thing to you, wouldn't you be fucking pissed? Yeah, very much. You know, you don't need that kind of shit. But. So, the crowd, like I said, were behind Jericho. There's a really cool bang for team between Edge and Jericho, like, where Jericho, where Edge kind of rolls out the uh, the walls of Jericho to 
uh, we tease out it's a spine buster on Jericho, but then Edge managed to avoid and flip over into a roll up. The fans pop when Jericho gets the walls of Jericho in on Edge. Uh, Batista tries to get back in, gets knocked off the apron by uh, Jericho, but, er but Jericho spends too much time. Edge managed to roll back at his feet, spear Edge for the win in 8 minutes 26. So the which the fans be like, oh, the fans may be cheering for Edge now that he's won. It's a at the same time, you can see in one angle a fan playing Edge saying, then they cut away to, one to a couple of fans up in the upper bit going, yeah. giving a big F, taking their fingers up to Edge. Yeah. Well, we didn't want him to fucking win. We, want, we, we knew who he wanted to win. And it was Y2J. What's weird about the show, I find it weird that the two World Tail matches didn't get video packages. Like the two. Yeah, uh, that was strange. But these two, the next two matches did. And I really like the video packages they did. I like the video packages, but I've got to say. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, what was her match after that one? Eddie, this is Eddie Angle. Eddie at The video package, they're hyping up because they fought WrestleMania. This match has been five months in the making. I've got to say, in my own personal opinion, mm -hmm. This was the best goddamn match on the whole show. Mm -hmm. I mean, two of the most fucking competent fucking guys in the business at the time. You know? Mm-hmm. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. But two of the most fucking competent, most fucking capable, professional, best goddamn in-ring performers. Let's face it, of all time. Yeah. I mean, I may not have fucking liked Eddie Guerrero, but God damn it, I respected the man's ability. Like, the brief times we've seen him, into, him and Anglin drag on the 2000 Smackdown, I've kind of been like, oh, that was okay, but I know when we get to, like, 02 and the tag team matches we'll get, and I remembered the singles matches they had no form, like, I know these guys can give us better than this, because I like the Mania match. Yeah, and yeah. And I like this one. This one delivered, I think. This so, was a great match. And the media 20 match held in this because the finish of the media 20 match is that Eddie, Eddie Angle keeps going after the angle and at one point Eddie sneakily takes off and lifts his boot. Yeah. So the book was flying and the confusion, Eddie rolls up Angle yeah. for the win. And Angle wouldn't let it go. Like, no, you, you cheated. If you hadn't cheated, I would have been the champion. You had to cheat in order to beat me. And Eddie's like, I so. I know I cheat. I lie, I cheat, I steal. I'm open about it. I, I, I don't remember the entirety of the promo, right, but I do remember one bit that stuck with me where I thought, you sneaky bastard. <laughs> it's a bit with Eddie. Uh -huh. And he's like, look, man, you say I can't beat you without cheating. But what if, if I, I do? What if I, I can? Can, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll leave that the way they end up. What if I can? Like, he's like, you say I can't beat you without cheating, but what if I can? Uh, what are you going to do then? I go, like, oh, you, your feet injury, like, you have to cheat, like, you know, and he talks about the injury angle. So Angle did have neck surgery again, or some sort of injury. Like he's had neck surgery countless times over his. This is his second one. He had the first one after May nineteen with Brock, and then he had another one some point in 04. Yeah. I think in 04, 05, and then going into 06. Some of the issues he was having with pills, which led to him leaving because he wouldn't go to rehab, was it because he was so so in love with painkillers? Yeah, and then he would have a similar issue across the years in TNA before he eventually cleaned himself up. But he, as I said, I think he was like recovering in 03 from his first surgery, which started the thing and got worse. But it was the fact that when he had the injuries that he had or the surgeries he had, it was rushing back. So, because he was so, he loved wrestling so much, mm. it caused further injuries and caused the pain in it and the addictions to get worse. So, like, he gets written off, becomes SmackDown GM, gets wheeled around by Luther Reigns in his wheelchair and everything. But, yeah. but then they get revealed. Oh, he was faking it because he dressed up as this luchador character to screw Eddie Guerrero at the rematch for the title. He was like, "Oh, I got, I got taken out of this ring 
do you know what it's like to get caught something you love so much? You're like, I like you screwed me for the WWE title. You bastard. Uh, you you've been making my life hell because you're you keep saying, Oh, I you only I only wanted to cheat and really deep down it's only because you don't think you can beat me. Well, let's let's talk about this match. Yeah, just like it's a case both men have an argument like I can beat you because this reason, now you can't beat me because this reason. I've got to say, <laughs> not only not only did I think both guys were absolutely fucking phenomenal in this match, uh-huh. I was I was so happy with the result. I love how the confusion on and uh, and Taz because also Eddie has his low rider as he would want to do at this time, and the and Taz is like, "Where the hell did you get a low rider in Toronto?" Because <laughs> <laughs> also it's open talk. You don't think of it in Canada because it's always cold in Canada. When yeah. You uh, but yeah, Angle comes out with Luther Reigns with his shitty earring. I liked his earring, man. <laughs> what the hell was wrong with Luther's earring? Nothing. Just because just you can't rock an earring like cool. I don't want an earring. Why not? Because I don't. Anyway, Luther, Luther Reigns, <laughs> only if I get it in the left ear. Or the right ear. Which one is I don't remember. I don't know. I've got them in both ears, so I, I'm exempt. I remember the comedian's TVs when someone came up to me and they were like, Oh, you got an earring in your right ear. Over in the UK, that, that means you're gay. Oh, really? Where I come from, you're gay when you stick your cock in another man's ass. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you mate. <laughs> very fair, very, very fair. fair. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I. That hit me well, that one. That was funny. Yeah, it's, all about, it's amazing how much the crowd are chatting behind Angle. There's let's go Angle chants in there. That's because he's awesome. But like, it's amazing how Canada can get behind the pro-American thing. Because like, a lot of Canadian fans have said in the years after that they were disappointed that Warrior beat Hogan. Then also they cheered Hogan over Rocket Mania 18. Now Angle's getting cheered here. Well, but, probably we'd had time to not be butthurt about <sighs> Brett the Boring Man Hart. That's not that, it's just like, you wouldn't think the year America thing, you don't think about working in any country other than America. Yeah, well, well, that's the truth, it's not Kurt Angle. But despite that, when he comes out, there is very little, they do the loud, the, you suck. Yeah, well, that's, that's because we, we, come on, we knew it gave Angle a boner. <laughs> you know, he loved it. <laughs> he was a glutton for it, he was like, ah, oh, hit me with it, you bastards, go on. Angle takes Eddie down with his amateur wrestling skills and everything, and then Eddie tries to beat Angle his own game by going after the ankle and locking him in an ankle lock. <laughs> I know, he tried to technically wrestle. Ha ha. Apparently they got into a real life fight around this time. They continued this feed on Smackdown after this, I remember it. Well, because I was watching week to week. Yeah. Uh, every Saturday morning there was 10 o'clock Sky Sports. <laughs> Rocking. Okay, sports then. I went it then after at 12 o'clock. Bottom line was on because I couldn't watch Raw, but I got the highlights on bottom line. Do you do you know the thing I hate in regards to that and, you know, television stuff and all that on my fire stick? Mm-hmm. You know, I have Raw and SmackDown set to my favourites, right? Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I go to watch my Raw. It's not there. Raw talk is there. Oh, fuck it. And you're like, I couldn't give a rat's fuck about this crap. I want to see the goddamn Raw. 
Don't want to see these three assholes talking about it. I think something went wrong in a match where they had some issue and they got into a physical altercation, but they soon made up afterwards. But Eddie Who tried, won? Well, Angle won. Good. But Eddie H did try and take Angle down at one point, and then Angle quickly out-wrestled him. That's why they settled it. This is this bit's funny. I think it was JBL who, who asked him. But apparently, I think it was JBL who went and said to him, Eddie, why the hell would you try and take down an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling? And then he apparently responded very frustratedly, because I'm a fucking idiot, okay? <laughs> kind of reminds me of that bit with, with Krusty the Clown. So because I'm an idiot, alright? Because I'm a fucking idiot. Do you know, I've been watching a lot of like shoot interviews recently, mm-hmm. and one tickled me just perfectly. It's not me if I've told you this. Mm-hmm. You've told me it was a Steve Blackman thing. Oh, oh there you go. It was Steve Blackman. It was an incident involving Steve Blackman and JBL, oh, funnily I, I, enough. Oh, I've heard about this, I think. Yeah. I've heard about it. And I watched a few wrestlers talk about it. <laughs> and, you know, it was the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. Because you know yourself, if you've heard about Steve Blackman, and we're good listeners, if you've heard of the lethal weapon, Steve Blackman, and if you're listeners, you know a fucking lovely guy. So, mm-hmm. he's great. Like, if he'd actually been involved in a ball for all... Well, Bart Gunn wouldn't have won that. Well, he was in it, but then I think they took him out of it. <laughs> they took him out of it because they knew he would have killed Dr. Death. But but then Bart Gunn done that anyway. Mm. But, but anywho, Blackman was the sort of guy who did not take chicanery well. Mm-hmm. He was a very serious man, did not like stupidness. JBL was a bit of a ribber, as you know. Uh-huh. And lo and behold, he ribbed the wrong fucking guy. Mm-hmm. He had been continuously ribbing Blackman to the point where Blackman turned to him and went, Look, you keep this shit up, you and me are going to go fucking round for round, cunt. Mm-hmm. And he warned him, he said, Look, don't push me, fucker. Mm-hmm. And they're standing in the airport in baggage, and Blackman's standing there stoic as Blackman did waiting on his baggage. Mm-hmm. JBL came up behind him and did something. And then, in the blink of a fucking eye, Blackman turned around, triple punched him in the fucking jaw. And had it not been for the fact that he caught his foot in a goddamn bag, uh-huh. he would have booted JBL to fuck. And it took Al Snow running in and basically tackling Blackman and going, leave it, man, you'll kill him. All right, there's a story that Bruce Richard tells about we get into a fight, a fight between Blackman and uh, and Bradshaw, and apparently Bradshaw turned and went, "Yeah, Bruce, he hit me about five times before I realised I was even in a fight." Yeah, I heard the I heard the end up of it as well. Yeah. We finally got to the arena, and apparently Val Venus walked past uh-huh. Blackman, and Blackman at this point was fucking pacing back and forward, clenching his fists, mm-hmm. and Val went up to him and went, "All right, man." Mm-hmm. And he just went, I'm going to fucking kill that cunt. I'm going to kill him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill him. And JBL walked up to him. And apparently Blackman just started charging at him. Mm-hmm. And JBL went, whoa, 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 whoa. I just came here to talk. I came here to apologise, man. I don't want to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Blackman calmed and he went, tell you what, you come with me in front of all the boys in catering right now and you fucking apologise mm-hmm. in front of everybody and I'll not kill you. Mm-hmm. And apparently, without even a blink, he grabbed Blackman by the wrist and went, come on then, let's go. Uh, and he walked in front of everybody and went, Mr. Blackman, 
I am so sorry. I meant nothing by it. And Blackman went, all right, then. You know, so apparently, long story short, if there's one guy you don't want to fuck with, it's Steve Blackman. Hello, everyone. So by this point in the show, I think we realised that, yeah, it was definitely not going to be possible for us to get it all in one recording, mainly because it was getting too late in the evening and I had to get home from Paul's and then getting home from Paul's can be had to get the best of times. So we thought, oh, well, this is, we haven't done it in a while, but we'll just do this as a part one and then we'll come back with part two at a later time. I think we got a lot of interesting points in here. I hope you guys enjoyed the show and hopefully you'll stay tuned for part two coming next week. Ta-da. You mean?